3: What a shot,
0: first OHL goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Medard has arrived here at the branch center, Is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save, watch out, watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Spash and Kosa. This is Dylan Gunther of the Noah Kings. This
4: is William Mack from from in here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark.
1: Hi, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moonset.
2: Hey, it's Paul of the 2-5 Stampede. This is Paul biond I play for Luleå. Hey, it's Corson
5: Coleman from Brex Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Camel
0: Blazers. It's Jesse Wolfis from Luleå Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is The Pipeline Show. The
6: host city for the Memorial Cup in 2022 has been chosen. We've got CBC stepping up to cover U-Sports and the CHL. The USHL Fall Classic kicks off the USHL regular season. The NOL, the AJHL, all the CJHL leagues all underway, and the CHL regular season gets ever closer. Welcome to the Pipeline Show, everybody. My name is Guy Flaming. Great to have you with me once again. If you're a returning listener, then welcome back. If you're a newcomer to the show, and this is your first episode, well then, hey, why don't you hit me up on Twitter and let me know where you're listening from. In fact, you can all do that. That would be fantastic. I always appreciate learning uh, where the audience is, is coming from and maybe how you found out about the show and uh, why you decided maybe this week was uh, the first one for you to try. You can do that. At TPS is where you can find me on Twitter. Of course, special shout-out to all the patrons out there, patreon.com slash show. All patrons enjoying early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full episode of The Pipeline Show. They're usually available to patrons two, three, sometimes four days before a regular episode comes out. So if that sounds like something that you would be interested in, patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. Speaking of The Pipeline Show, it's brought to you by our title sponsor, that of course, Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. It's not even close, let's be honest. Two ways to get it. You can go into their locations in the Edmonton area. That would be Spruce Grove and Leduc. Or if you can't make that trip, but you still live in Western Canada, any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. Just get in contact with either location. Trent is in Leduc and Trevor is in Spruce Grove. Let them know you heard it on the Pipeline Show. Let's get right to it. Lots of news and notes that we want to touch on. We'll start in the... Canadian Hockey League, where the big news of the week is that the host city for the 2022 Memorial Cup has been decided, and it was uh, between Quebec City and St. John, New Brunswick, and it will be the Sea Dogs hosting the Memorial Cup this year. That is slated to start June 3rd in 2022, and I'll tell you right now, if the Oil Kings are there, I'll be there. I've got family in St. John. I would uh, really, really enjoy the opportunity to get back to that city. I love St. John. I don't think he could have went wrong with either choice. Quebec City, obviously, is a uh, fantastic city, which I've never been to, actually. So I would have enjoyed that as well. But terrific building there. Lots of reasons to go to Quebec. But I'm personally happy that it's in St. John. I wonder what the initial reaction, though, is for fans around the, the Canadian Hockey League. So you can let me know at Twitter, again, at TPS underscore Guy. Speaking of the CHL, a bunch of games are going to be on a CBC this year. Half a dozen between October and November. The uh, schedule reads like this on October 2nd, which is, boy, that's uh, opening weekend. Prince Albert is in Regina, so you uh, fans across the country will get a chance to watch Connor Bedard. Then the following weekend, it will be a, a game in Schwinnigan featuring the Cataract against the Rouyn-Noranda Huskies. Back to the WHL after that for Calgary and Red Deer in Red Deer. Then you got an OHL tilt, the Barry Colts welcoming the Ottawa 67s back to the queue. It's St. John in Drummondville, and uh, the last game in November, November 13th, will feature the Mississauga Steelheads in Kingston to take on Shane Wright and the Frontenacs. And speaking of CBC, they've also signed an agreement with uh, U Sports to be the uh, exclusive English-language digital home for U Sports National Championships. So not just hockey, but for everything. U Sports. It's all going to be available through CBC Sports, which is obviously great. Get more exposure for U-Sports across Canada. It's a shame I, it hasn't uh, had the coverage that it, uh, that it deserves. And I can tell you from a hockey perspective, there are lots of players playing U-Sports hockey who should have the opportunity to play professionally, whether it's in the uh, AHL or over in Europe, or some and more are getting to the uh, NHL couple of trades in the WHL of note, uh, one release as well. The Winnipeg Ice uh, have uh, cut defenseman Mike Ladyman, who I won't be surprised to see him get picked up by somebody else. He's a 2001-born player, and Saskatoon has traded Blake Stevenson to the Red Deer Rebels for a couple of picks, also uh, involving a team in the East Division. Prince Albert uh, added a goaltender, Ronan Garrity. They've got a whole slew of goaltenders now in PA. I think they're up to four right now. But the reason I mentioned the uh, East Division teams, because some of the interviews I, you're going to hear on this week's show, as it is the East Division preview in the Western Hockey League, were earlier in the week, and then there were a couple of uh, these trades. So changes the, the conversation a little bit. Preseason continuing here in the Western Hockey League. A bunch of games tonight uh, on Friday. As I'm speaking with you, it's Friday morning. The Oil Kings in action hosting Calgary. Red Deer is in Lethbridge. Saskatoon goes to Prince Albert. That's a home at home as they uh, get back together again tomorrow. Regina against Moose Jaw. Medicine Hat travels to Swift Current. Kamloops is hosting the Kelowna Rockets. And Vancouver welcomes Prince George. Bunch of games on Saturday as well. Right now in the preseason, two teams have perfect records. The Portland Winterhawks are a perfect 4-0. And don't look now, but the Moose Jaw Warriors are also 3-0. Teams without a victory, Brandon, Swift Current, and Calgary. As well as uh, Victoria. Vancouver's only played the one game and uh, they lost it in overtime. And if you care about uh, preseason stats, Cole Dubinsky in Regina is leading the WHL in uh, preseason scoring with 10 points in four games. Connor Bedard, his line mate, right behind with eight points. Uh, Jacob Boucher, who was an invite to Oil Kings camp, former Lethbridge Hurricane, uh, he's going to make the team. He's got seven points in three games. He's been uh, the story of Oil Kings uh, camp so far. Moving east, you get into the Ontario Hockey League and the teams with the perfect records uh, through preseason, very early preseason here in the OHL. Uh, Erie is 3-0, Kingston 2-0, and Sudbury also 2-0. Noah Sador leads the Erie Otters in scoring and the OHL in uh, preseason scoring with eight points. One of the great stories so far is uh, Tucker Tynan returning to action for the first time since he took that real bad slice on the thigh in a game against the London Knights and with the covid stoppages it's been 2 years basically since he played got into his first preseason game pitches a shutout good for him in the queue the top teams with uh, by winning percentage in the preseason are Halifax and the BB Armada but St. John right there as well and you have to wonder how long it uh, will take before the uh, the big trades start happening for the St. John Sea Dogs it was the Quebec Remparts that added Zachary Bolduc and Zachary Gravel as uh, they were trying to put together a team for the Memorial Cup. Shifting gears to uh, Tier 1 Junior Hockey, and in the Alberta Junior Hockey League regular season underway, the Spruce Grove Saints, who uh, begin with the number one ranking in Canada, they are off to a 3-0 and start. Bonneville and Fort Mac are also uh, perfect. Uh, they've only played two games, though. Same thing in the South as Drumheller and Canmore begin the year 2-0. and The big story on opening weekend was a uh, very one-sided game between the mighty Brooks Bannets and the expansion Black Bulldogs. And I don't know how you guys feel about this, but, you know, it was 7-0 after the first period, and you're thinking, holy cow, all right, well, Brooks, you take your foot off the pedal now, you're really giving it to these guys. Uh, they didn't, and it ended up 17 to nothing. 17 to nothing. And I did not see the game, so I can't uh, chastise them or anything that like that, or, or be all that critical, but... Seventeen nothing seems like an excessive uh, piling on. Just from the outside looking in, you can make the argument. You know what, Black Falls, you don't like it. We'll play better, and to some degree, that's fair. You know, does the league feel great about embarrassing their uh, their newest franchise on opening night? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it. I don't think it's a, a good look. Uh, but good on Black Falls, uh, dusting themselves off after that beating. The very next day, they go into Olds and they get a victory. Spruce Grove. Leads the scoring race. Three players in the uh, top three. Caden Gold, Brett Puff, Luigi Benacasa, all with seven points each. And not a surprise to see Brooks Bannett in the top five. After a 17-0 win on opening night, uh, Nicholas DeGraves has five points. All of them assists so far this season. The USHL's fall classic uh, underway here as we speak. As a matter of fact, got going uh, yesterday. Five players with three points already. Scott Truman in Des Moines, Cole O'Hara for Tri-City, Ethan Elias uh, of Omaha, Green Bay Gamblers uh, forward Cameron Lund, and uh, defenseman Mitchell Miller, who is back in the USHL. You'll remember Mitchell Miller. He is the player that Arizona drafted and then uh, released. So did North Dakota uh, because of transgressions in his past. Well, he's back in the USHL playing for that Tri-City Storm team and has three points in the first two games of the year for that club. Meanwhile, in the North American Hockey League, the Austin Bruins have the best record as they're four games into the year and have a 3-0-1 for an 875 winning percentage. But Springfield also playing very well, 5-1 and one to begin the year. Top scorers in the uh, in the Null, defenseman Luke Van Wy in Maryland and Ryan Bottrell, we mentioned them last week. They continue to be on top with 10 points. In six games, and remember Kristaps Krashins, who I uh, talked about playing for Amarillo. He had seven goals in the first two games. Well, uh, he's up to eight goals now, nine points in four games for Amarillo. And we're a week away from uh, opening night in the NCAA, as well as uh, a bunch of non-conference games. We'll kick things off on Saturday, October second. Lake Superior will play Nebraska Omaha. Arizona State welcomes UMass uh, Lowell. UMass Lowell, the River Hawks. Northeastern takes on Bentley. St. Thomas begins their Division I uh, schedule against cross-state rivals St. Cloud. Ferris State welcomes Miami. Alaska goes to Minnesota to play the Golden Gophers. Sacred Heart off to Connecticut. The UMass Minutemen are hosting Minnesota State. Army goes to Providence, and RIT will play Colgate. Those all regular season games. There's some exhibition as well happening that day. Two U Sports clubs: Brock will play uh, RPI and University of Manitoba as they always do. We'll go down to Grand Forks and take on North Dakota. Vermont Mercyhurst play Merrimack against New Hampshire. Boston University will play Holy Cross and American International will play Boston College. All guests here on the Pipeline Show join me, courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The tap room is open in Red Deer, and when I think of Red Deer and Troubled Monk, I always think of Rebels Red which is always their, their feature beer at the Centrium. I wonder if it's coming back. I don't know, but I hope so. It's, it's uh, one of the ones I like, as well as uh, choices like Juicy Gossip IPA, as well as the Daycation Lager, and uh, the Taster Pack's got four beauties as well, with the Open Road American Brown Ale, the Bucktooth Belgian White, the Pesky Pig, and the one that started it all, the Golden Gates Golden Ale. And I've come to really like the... Uh, the original hard ice tea as well, which they call the troubled tea. And if just me talking about it has made you thirsty, well, you're in luck. If you live between Calgary and St. Albert, and that includes Edmonton, Sherwood Park, Leduc, Airdrie, Olds, Lacombe, Pinoco, all the towns between uh, Calgary and Edmonton, basically. But uh, we're going all the way up to St. Albert. You can get at-home free delivery right to your door. Absolutely free delivery. If when you go to troubledmonk.com slash shop, place your order, you use promo code PIPELINE. Free, right to your door. It's the weekend. Get on it. You'll thank me. All right, in the guest list this week, you know what it is. It's the East Division preview in the Western Hockey League. Six teams under the microscope. And here's the order we're going to do it. So We got three new broadcasters in the league this year. Fantastic. Dante DiCaria is the new voice of the Regina Pats. He is going to lead things off this week. From there, we'll go to the easternmost team in the WHL. That would be the Winnipeg Ice. And uh, Brian Munns returning to the WHL began his career in the dub. Well, actually, he started in the SJHL, but uh, he was in the Western Hockey League with the Prince Albert Raiders before going to the NHL and the American Hockey League. Well, he's back now with the Winnipeg Ice, and that should be a fun team to watch. So wanted to talk to him for sure. Then it's another newbie, Rob Mann, who is the voice of the Prince Albert Raiders. He'll be in the third guest segment. From there we go down to the arch rival Saskatoon Blades and Les Lazaruk in a must hear conversation for Saskatoon Blades fans. Boy, you want to have reason for hope this year? Listen a less. And then the last two stops were in Moose Jaw with James Gallo, the voice of the Warriors, and we end things off with Brandon Crow. He is the voice, of course, the broadcast, play caller. For the Brandon Wheat Kings, it's an absolutely loaded, jam-packed show for you today, so let's not wait any longer. But I just want to remind you about ProStockHockey.com. It is your online source for authentic ProStock hockey equipment, whether it's sticks, gloves, you know what? It's all the rest as well. Several new ProStock player and goalie skates from the Detroit Red Wings have just been added to their inventory. There's also a new app that's exclusive right now with exclusive offers. Go to the App Store and uh, check that out for the Pro Stock Hockey app. And uh, recently they've also got new sticks in from the Washington Capitals to their inventory. So check that out at ProStockHockey.com. But let's get to the show. We're heading to Regina. Pat's broadcaster, Dante DiCaria, kicks off this week's episode of the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky.
0: Now Connor Hobbs ships the puck to center for Steele, lead a 2-on-1. Steele across the line, right side, waits, goes backhanded. and scores! Oh my, what a goal, Sam Steele! He absolutely undressed Trevor Martin for a second strike game! Yeah,
1: hey, I'm
3: Sam Steele from the Regina Pats, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show.
6: Troubled Monk Brew of the Week sure is a tasty one, but what is it?
2: Bucktooth Belgian White, a light and citrusy, flavorful beer. This Belgian White is a perfect patio pint. Try it with a freshly cut orange to brighten up your already sunny day. Poyer comparable, Patrick Kane knows what season to turn
1: it on and has splashes of brilliance.
6: Troubled Monk, visit the taproom in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. Troubled Monk. Craft beverages worth sharing.
0: You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite.
6: It's the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and we've been uh, looking at all of the WHL teams in advance of this upcoming season. We've got one division left to go, and that's what we're focusing in on this week. And of course, the Pipeline Show is brought to you by our title sponsor. That's Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in Alberta. It's the East Division preview this week, and uh, our first stop is in Regina, and uh, the new play-by-play voice... Of the Regina Pats uh, is making his debut here on the Pipeline Show uh, as I'm pleased to welcome Dante DiCaria to the program. Dante, welcome to the WHL. How are you? I am doing very well, Gee, How are you doing? I'm doing terrific. Uh, exciting as the season gets closer and closer. And well, I, I've never met you before and I, I've uh, heard a couple interviews, saw one that was on TV, but I don't really know much about you. So I thought maybe we'd start there before we get into the team, if that's all right.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I'm 23 years old. I come from Ottawa, Ontario. Uh, I first started broadcasting hockey at 17 years old, uh, broadcasting some local Junior B hockey, uh, and then moving up to the Central Canada Hockey League doing Junior A uh, for four years. Um, I was with the Ottawa Junior Senators, and then I went uh, to the BCHL and broadcasted for the Powell River Kings. That's where I was last before coming here. Um, And then, you know, I'm kind of a you know, multi-sport broadcaster. I would do hockey in the winter and baseball in the summer. So for my baseball career, I used to work for the Toronto Blue Jays for two seasons. Um, My first season was in 2017. I uh, worked in the media relations department as an intern. uh, And then I went and broadcasted for their Class A affiliate in Lansing, Michigan, which is now the Oakland Athletics Class A affiliate, um, with the recent changes this offseason. So I did that for two years from 2017 to 2018. Um And then I went back home, broadcasted for the professional team in Ottawa. Uh, we had an independent, independent professional team, and uh, then that following was 2018, then that following summer, I went to uh, Powell River. And then over the course of the pandemic, I was uh, the director of player procurement slash assistant general manager for the Barry Baycats of the Intercounty Baseball League. So uh, I was doing a lot of player recruiting, player signing, acquisitions, trades, you name it. So wow. Uh, I've done a lot in my young life, um, you know, um, but you know this is a big step for me in my career, and I'm really happy to be in the WHL for sure.
6: Well, that's a lot of uh, stuff on your resume, and you're only 23—pretty impressive. Uh, and yeah. uh, on Twitter, you're at Diamond Underscore Dante, and there's a little baseball in your name. Is you know the Diamond? I'm guessing comes from baseball. Obviously, you got the baseball. Is that your uh, your number one sport?
1: Yeah, you know what? Like baseball is my first love. I, I love baseball. The most. Um, I didn't get the nickname Diamond from baseball, although okay. it kind of ties into that. Uh, when I was uh, in high school, I used to be a shoe shine boy in downtown Ottawa. So I used to shine shoes on the side of the street. Um, and uh, CTV did a story on me because they thought it was cool. And they said, you need a nickname to spice it up. And they just gave me that name. And it's <laughs> kind of stuck with me since I was 16. So um, <laughs> did it work? I, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, but anyways, yeah, no, you know, baseball has been my first love, but I also love hockey. I grew up playing hockey. I grew up playing baseball as well. Um, and, uh, I mean, I really couldn't, you know, turn down an opportunity to broadcast in the Western league and, um, you know, I love Western Canada, uh, so far Saskatchewan has been kind to me. And, uh, like I said, just, uh, it's, I can't even describe the words, you know, what it means to be working for the Pats. Just a fantastic franchise, and I'm just honoured. I think my first broadcast was Saturday, a preseason game, mm-hmm. and I just kind of sat there in a in a quiet arena and just took it all in because it was just a really special moment for me.
6: Uh, outstanding. Um, I wanted to ask you from a broadcast pr- position uh, pr- or perspective the difference between hockey and baseball. Mike Boyle in Spokane does the Spokane Chiefs games, uh, but also does the Spokane mm-hmm. Indians baseball games uh, out there, and we were chatting yep. about that recently. Very different in his opinion. What about for you?
1: Honestly, I think they complement each other so well. Broadcasting baseball, just slowing down the pace and stuff like that has just helped me become a much better broadcaster in general, but just a much better hockey broadcaster. For example, in baseball, you have a lot of time to fill with stories and stuff like that. And that has made me really, um, you know, take my prep a lot more seriously for a hockey game. I prep the same way for hockey that I would for baseball. Um, And uh, like I said, just with the pace, you know, um, I think it's just so important to kind of slow things down for the listener and allow the listener to just, you know, listen to the game so easy. And with baseball, it's just such a relaxing sport. And I know hockey's so, like, you know, high octane and stuff like that. It's fast. But I think, you know, with my ability to slow things down, like I have in baseball, it just makes the game really easy for the listener to to listen to. The one thing that I was taught by uh, my mentor, Jerry Howard, who was the Jays broadcaster for 36 seasons on radio, he he always, you know, taught me – you know, to keep it simple and to lag. And, and, um, and, and I just kind of put that into my hockey and I just, you know, I don't try to be too cute. I don't try to be fancy with the way I call the game. I try to keep it simple and allow the listener to just um, have an easy time listening to it. I want them to be able to follow the play as best as possible. And uh, that's something that I learned from baseball um, because, you know, describing the game on radio is so important with baseball. And I've really tried to take that into my hockey.
6: Outstanding. All right. Well, let's get to the hockey as my guest is Dante DiCario, the new voice of the Regina Pats. Uh, we'll start maybe by looking back at the uh, the roster from the spring before you got here uh, and the three overage players who aren't back with the club. That'd be Carson Denomi as well as uh, Kyle Walker on the back end and goaltender Roddy Ross. Uh, they've moved on as they've uh, aged out. Of the league now. Uh, anybody else that, that you're aware of from the spring roster who uh, isn't back with the team for one reason or another, maybe a trade or, or something else?
1: Yeah, Carter Massey was uh, dealt to the Victoria Royals in exchange for uh, Keegan Maddox, mm-hmm. um, who's uh, currently fighting for the backup spot with uh, Spencer Welke. So uh, that adds a you know it's a pretty good trade uh, for John Paddock and, and company because it adds a little bit of competition for the backup role. Matthew Keeper will be the starter. I'm, you know, almost ninety-five percent sure that he will be the guy okay. uh, this season. So you have a nineteen-year-old backup in Wilk and Welke, and then you have an eighteen-year-old potential backup in Keegan Maddox who comes over in that trade. Um, they just had too many twenty-year-olds. Um, even right now, there's four twenty-year-olds listed on the roster um, with, you know, Carter Shorney, Zach Smith, um, and then on the back end, uh, you have uh, Riker Evans, and uh, of course your captain Logan Nyhoff. Mm. and uh, it's really. Uh, You know, it's going to be a battle who gets that last spot, Um, that last 20-year-old spot, as you're only allowed to have three overagers past, I think, uh, October 12th or something like that. I have to double check. But, yeah, I mean, I think it really comes down to if Evan stays with the Seattle Kraken. He has been here in training camp. He has not appeared any games. He actually just left on Friday to join the Seattle Kraken uh, in Seattle. Um, as you know, their second-round pick from this past draft. So uh, he's a 20-year-old. They might decide to send him to the American League or the East Coast League, or they might send him back to the Regina Pats. So I think it really comes down to that. Um, and if Evans is back, I'm sure that you know the hockey op staff will be more than happy to welcome him back here. Obviously, he'll be a, a key part, key component in this team this season. But if not, or if he is back, then going to have to make some moves. But if not, then I think it makes it a little bit easier um, to, to have those three other 20-year-old guys.
6: Well, it's a, it's good to have competition in camp like that. I'm going to go back to the goaltending position for a second. and We kind of glossed over that quickly, but uh, you said Matt Keeper is clearly the the goaltender. I guess with a name like that, you got to pretty much go with the, the keeper as the goaltender, don't you?
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, I've been so impressed with Matthew Keeper's play uh, so far this season. I mean, for example... On uh, Saturday night, in the preseason start that he got, it was in fact the first game that he started. The whole game, he made 27 saves on 29 shots.
0: Hmm.
1: He, he gave up two goals. The, the the second goal was just a weird bounce. It was just a um, a shot that was going wide, and it went off the defender and trickled into the net. Not his fault at all, really. It should have only been one goal against. So I'll give him you know the benefit of the doubt there. But he's just so Athletic. He's so poised in his net. Uh, he's ready for a breakout season. I think potentially if he you know. Um, blows the cover offs here this season that he'll potentially be drafted maybe in the in the mid to late rounds in the NHL draft, depending on how he does. He was invited to the under 18 camp, did not make that Team Canada roster, but still an honor and to be recognized and to be invited there. Uh, he's the clear cut starter in my opinion. Like I said earlier, it's going to be a battle for the backup position uh between Keegan Maddox and, and Spencer Welkie. Uh, Welkie's a 19-year-old. He played a couple of games last season in the, in the hub. And then you have Maddox, who played you know a couple of games with the Victoria Royals. So uh, there's a little bit of competition for the backup spot. And then the Pats just recently signed a 16-year-old goaltender in Kelton Pine, who uh, has been at camp. Uh, he was actually the emergency backup for the Prince Albert Raiders this weekend as they were huh. short. But um, you know he adds some competition as well. Clearly, John Paddock and his staff really like. Uh, the upside that Pine brings to the team, I don't think he's going to be on the team uh, this season, given that he's 16, but he does add a little bit of competition to those two other backups that are fighting for a spot here in camp.
6: Uh, interesting. There's very little experience. That's not to say these guys can't get it done, but they're unproven at the WHL level. I think that's fair to say. I think between welky Maddox, and Keeper, they might have 30 games, maybe, of experience in the WHL. So that might be a concern moving forward. Less no? than that. Yeah, less than that. M-
1: much less. I think it's. I think it would be between ten and fifteen. For uh, Welke has a total of four games in the WHL, and,
6: uh, and Keeper's Keeper only got played eight. a
1: handful of games last. Yeah. See, so so there's ten right there, and then you add Maddox. So yeah, it's between you know fifteen and twenty. I, wow. I don't have it in front of me right now, but yeah, it's. Uh, we'll just keep it at the experience is not there. But like I said, I've been really impressed with Matthew Keeper. He is a very good goaltender.
6: All right. Well, he's a third-round pick, uh, so the Pats liked him in his draft year. Six foot one, one eighty is what he's listed at. So he's got, you know, he's not a giant in that, but he's not undersized either. Let's go to the uh, the blue line. You mentioned uh, Riker Evans and the situation with him. Uh, beyond him, who else is uh, here to lead the way for the Pats on the blue line?
1: Um, for me, I think Lane Feist is poised to have a really big season. He's going into his draft year. He was drafted first round in 2019 uh, in his Bantam draft by the Regina Pats, So I really think that Leighton Feist uh, is poised to have a pretty good season. He had, you know, nine points in the hub in 20 games. So that's pretty good for a a 16-year-old offensive defenseman. Uh, So far in training camp, I really like his speed. So far in the preseason games, I really like, um, you know, how he controls the power play, how he, you know, sets things up. And he really compliments guys like Cole Dubinsky and Connor Bedard, who have really been fantastic so far this preseason um, and I think if you get Evans back and then you add Sposal and you know Tom Cadu takes a step forward and, and Jacob DeWitt and then Jake Johnson comes back from uh, a little bit of an injury here or set back in camp and then you add Luke Bateman to the mix I think that the defensive core here in Regina is going to be very strong and you know a guy like Layton fights potentially playing with a guy like Luke Bateman can kind of do his thing and and you know, provide a lot of offense. Join up into the rush with guys like Bedard and Davinsky and Springer, and really you know, kind of provide a lot of offense from the back end. So I think he's going to be really good. And then I mentioned the other guys. I mean, you had Sposal to the mix, as I said, you had Bateman, you had Johnson. This is a very deep defensive core. And if you get Ryker Evans back from the Seattle Kraken, depending on what Ron Sanchez decides to do with him as a second round pick, mm-hmm. then this defensive core gets very strong. In fact, um, going into the season, I think it's probably one of the stronger points, uh, according to, to head coach Dave Strooch. I mean, uh, I spoke with Dave prior to the game on Saturday night in the pregame interview, and, you know, I asked him, you know, you give up six goals, and, and he, he was actually pretty impressed with, you know, the structure of the defense and how they played and how they were physical against Prince Albert. And then uh, we talked a little bit about, okay, well, you like what the defense has done so far. Imagine how good it's going to get uh, when you get your top dogs back. And I think, you know, once you get Bateman, Johnson, spozel and Evans back, this defensive core is going to be very, very deep, and there's going to be a lot of competition for ice time.
6: All right, the situation with Evans—he was just drafted uh, and is unsigned at the moment, but because of his age, the uh, Kraken could sign him uh, and put him in the American Hockey League. That's just for the benefit of the audience who might not have been aware. Um, the expectations for Stanislav Sposil—he was, I mean, he was highly touted. He comes in with a, a pretty shiny resume as well. Is there? A risk in expecting too much from a guy who's never played in North America. He's young, but he'll be a rookie over here as well. Should we pump the brakes a little bit on expectations, do you think?
1: Well, he's going into his age, 18-year-old season. He's played pro in Czech. He played alongside his father in, in the Czech Republic League there, and uh, I know he didn't have a ton of points. Um, he you know, didn't have too much success offensively, but I mean – that was enough. I mean, in the international tournaments, it was enough to, to, for the Columbus Blue Jackets scouts to see him and like him enough to, to take him in, in the third round without having played in, in North America. So there's mm-hmm. clearly some upside here. I know the SAP here really likes his skating. They like his hockey sense. I don't think there's a ton of pressure for him to to jump right into the, to the, you know, the top two pairings. Um, I think he can kind of ease his way into things, but um, he's clearly skilled enough If you look at the the Pats' defensive core, they have just one right-handed defenseman, a lot of left-handed D. So I would think that maybe Spozo would start in the bottom pairings and then maybe move his way up, although I'm not reading Dave Strooch's mind, so I don't know exactly (laughs) what's going to happen. But with the depth uh, that this uh, this Regina Pats' defensive core has, I don't think that there's going to be a ton of pressure on him uh, to provide a lot at first but obviously the expectations are high for him to be very good and I think he will be good given that he was picked in the third round and um I was watching a little bit of the uh, rookie camp um Mm -hmm. with Columbus playing Toronto the other day and and you could see that he wasn't unmatched uh, against some pretty good North American skaters so I think he'll be fine but like I said the defensive core is just so Um, it's so deep, especially on the left side, given that the Pats only have one right-handed defenseman, which uh, definitely could be something that they're trying to address going forward, but as of right now everyone's left-handed, and so the left side is stacked, and maybe he can play on his offhand, maybe he stays on the left side Uh, that's something that we'll just have to wait and see going forward.
6: Dante DeCaria is my guest, he's the voice of the uh, Regina Pats, let's move to that forward group obviously we have to start with Connor Bedard and when we talked, uh, last year when I was talking about him, it's like there's a lot of guys who come into the league with a lot of buzz, but very few live up to expectations. This is a guy who not just lived up to the expectations, but blew right past them. Um, you've been around him now for uh, for a month or so and seen him on the ice. I haven't had the chance to watch him in person with my own eyes yet because there was no, uh, we weren't down in the uh, in the hub down in Regina last year with the Oil Kings. Give me a sense of what it's what it's like to watch him in person.
1: Well, first off, before I talk about him as a player, I want to let people know how fantastic he is as a person he is a phenomenal kid just a fantastic human being he respects his teammates he respects the staff here in regina he respects the fans he respects everyone he is a class act so i just wanted to throw that i mean i've i've really enjoyed working with connor he's just been just like i'm lost for words he's just such a his parents raised him so well and to have that status and to handle it the way he does at 16 he he acts like a ten-year NHL vet. Like that's just how poised he is. Uh, what it's, whether it's handling the media, whether it's you know events and you know photo shoots and stuff like that, and and different things that are asked of him, he handles it like a ten-year NHL veteran. It's really phenomenal. It's astonishing. I haven't seen uh, something like this from a young kid before, and I just I have so much respect for him. As for him as a player, he is exceptional. He got the exceptional status. For a reason, and it's because he is an exceptional hockey player. he shoots the puck like austin matthews and and I'm not joking. he has a fantastic shot. He does not miss the net, and when he does he's you know he's pretty upset at himself because he wants to hit the net every time he's hit a couple of crossbars he would have more than than the five goals so far this preseason in four games, if not for a couple of crossbars, and if not for uh, being a little snake bin on uh, Saturday night where he had nine shots on goal and he was just stone cold every time by uh, by their goaltender, Hildebrand. But um, he's got great vision. He makes his teammates better. He's a fantastic skater. He's got excellent hockey IQ. Um, you know, he's a really good passer. He is He is the real deal, right? And he just makes everybody on the ice better every time. But he wants the puck. He wants to have the puck on his stick. And when he does have it, everybody should be watching because something special is happening. I mean, if you look at him so far this preseason, he's, you know, second in, in the WHL in points among preseason skaters with five goals, three assists, eight points in four games. So, um, you know, he's been a real treat to watch. Uh, he's been good on special teams. He plays on the PK, he plays on the power play and, uh, he's just a complete hockey player right now.
6: And I know after the short season in the spring, the, the question was, okay, we got to get him some guys to play with. And, uh, John Paddock brings in Zach Stringer. How's he fit in so far? Looks pretty good on paper.
1: Yeah, Zach Stringer has fit in so far. I know. I, I, last time I looked, he was third in the WHL among preseason skaters in points. Um, he's at Minnesota Wild training camp. He was invited as a free agent camp invite, so he's at their rookie camp right now. So um, the Pats are giving uh, a look at Oria Ballas, who comes undrafted uh, from Colorado. Uh, so he's playing on that right wing side with Davinsky on the left wing side. But um, you know what? Uh, I really like Stringer. Uh, I think he's poised for a breakout season, given that he's going to play with Connor. But he's just so good back of the net. He provides a lot of uh, you know. Um, he really compliments Connor on that line because he goes to the net. He gets in the goalie's grill. He's not afraid to be physical down low. Um, he's just he's a greasy hockey player. He does all the little things right. He hits. He stick checks well. He goes to the net, gets those greasy rebounds. He's able to screen the goaltender, as I mentioned. He's very good below the goal line and feeding guys in the front. Uh, I think that Zach Stringer is, is going to fit really well with Connor Bedard. And, and as same for Cole Dubinsky. I mean, Cole Dubinsky has, no one saw this coming, right? This is a huge start to, uh, to Cole Dubinsky's season. And, uh, you know, leads WHL preseason skaters in points. And, uh, I think once you get Stringer into the mix with Dubinsky and Bedard, that, that line is going to be dynamic this year. So a little bit worried with, um, you know, the rest of the the bottom nine after Bedard, Stringer, and Dubinsky. But, um, I mean, we haven't really seen a full team put together just yet. So, um, I mean, I can't really comment on it just yet. But, yes, Stringer has been a great addition for sure.
6: All right. uh, That was my next question was who else is going to bring some offense. Have you got a sense of what the – maybe the identity of the the other nine uh, that will be up front? You know, is this going to be a – uh, a work ethic team is it going to be offense by committee? How do you describe this group?
1: Yeah, you know what? I'd like it to be offense by committee. I think anytime uh, you can, you know, have depth scoring, that you're going to be a very good team. And as of right now, really the only offense that they've got, other than Saturday, is from their top line. Yeah. Um, and I Cole Carrier. Uh, I just want to. I really want to mention him. He scored three shorthanded goals on uh saturday night i know it's preseason game but the last time that ever happened in the whl was in 1997 he's just the fifth player in whl history to score three shorthanded goals and the last time it happened in hockey period was in the echl back in 2012 and and also for a quick stat the last it's only ever happened once in nhl history and that was Theo flurry back in 1991 where he scored a shorthanded trick. so uh <laughs> that's got to add definitely some confidence to Cole Carrier going forward this season. I know he's going to be pretty good on the penalty kill. I think he will add a little bit of offense, some good depth scoring, uh, mostly slotted in as probably a top nine center or top uh, nine forward. But I'm really, I'm looking at two 20-year-olds to break out this season. I think that Zach Smith is poised to have a really good 20-year-old season, given that he had 15 points in 20 games in the hub last year. And then Logan Nioff scored 10 goals. As a 19 year old in the hum last year, he's now going into his age 20 season, and he's at Anaheim Ducks rookie camp. And, you know, he's been great for the community. He's been a great leader, second year as captain, the 80th captain in franchise history. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, I think he's poised to have at least 20 or 25 goals this season on that second line, playing alongside a guy like Zach Smith. Um, other than that, I mean, I think guys like Drew Englott and, you know, maybe a Vallis or a Tanner, how are going to have to step it up? How? has, you know, fantastic offensive ability at just 16 years old. And I'm not sure if he will make the team, but um, he has really impressed me so far this preseason. So, yeah, you know what? Maybe the depth up front might be an issue this season, but um, I really it's it's really going to depend on if guys like Smith and Carrier and Dubinsky and maybe a guy like Brooke and Englott and Nyhoff can produce because those are the 19 and 20 year olds and those are the guys that are expected to be leaders and expected to produce and i know the coaching staff is going to look towards them to produce and i mean hey you gotta like what you've seen from cole Dubinsky. he leads the whl and preseason skaters and points um this preseason and yeah. there's not much not to like from him he scored two goals on saturday night and, and if he can sustain this pace of scoring going into the season, then uh, I think it's going to be really good for the Pats.
6: Now I know you're you're getting used to you're getting to learn the league here yourself, and you haven't seen all the teams yet, so a tough question to ask, you know, where you if you think this is a playoff team or not. But when I'll phrase it this way, we know Connor Bedard's got this year and next year in the WHL, and that's it. He's not going to be back uh, after his draft year. So, is there an impetus on the on the Pats not to maybe to win this season? Because I mean, considering where they were last year, it's a long way to go to be a contending team. But get to the playoffs, get some experience this year, and next year is the year you're you're trying to win with with Bedard. Is that fair to say that this year the the goal is to get in the playoffs and get some playoff experience?
1: Yeah, I think the goal is to make the playoffs this year, maybe win a round, and then next year is to win it all. Given yeah. that Bedard will be seventeen. Stringer will be 19. You get DeBincy back as a 20-year-old, given what we've seen so far from him this preseason. And then, you know, a guy like Layton Feist is a little bit older. Spolzel is going to be 19. Uh, you know, you have most of your defensive core coming back, which are, you know, 18, 19 years old. So, yeah, you know what, I, I think that, uh, And then your goalie, goalie, who I think is very good, Matthew Keeper, will be a year older. So I do think that the team, and depending on, you know, what trades and draft picks they trade, um, you know, going forward, I I think, yeah, I think the team is poised to, to make a Memorial cup run next year. Um, Like I said, I haven't been around, I haven't seen all the teams in the league, but I think Prince Albert's going to be pretty good um, at least defensively with Cade and Gooley potentially coming back. Um, So, yeah, no, like I said, I, I think that the goal is to make the playoffs this year. I think, that could can potentially, you know, raise some eyebrows and surprise some teams around the league. But like I said, in the last uh, question, it really comes down to if the 19 and 20 year olds are going to step up, like we think they can. Can a Zach Smith be a point per game player this year? Can he score, you know, 25, 30 goals. Can a guy like Logan Nyoff take a step forward as he did last year with 10 goals and turn that into 25, 30 goals. Like I said, those guys are 20 year olds. They're 19 and 20 year olds. They need to step it up and produce if they do the pats will be good. If they don't, they will be good.
6: Dante, I've been asking all the other guys as we wrap this up, uh, what the, the fans need to know when they come to the rink to watch the pats in person this year. Any uh, protocols around COVID and stuff that they need to be made aware of?
1: Yeah. So the Regina pats are following, you know, task health guidelines. We released a statement last week that, uh, you know, masks must be worn uh, in rink and then, uh, as of October, um, you will need to show your proof of vaccination in order to get into the building. But uh, that is a, a you know an ever changing thing. So, um, like I said, we're just following what Sask Health is uh, the guidelines that they're telling us. Uh, the Brandt Center is a city owned facility, facility, so we have to follow exactly what uh, uh, the city and Sask Health is kind of giving us. So. Um, Yeah, really out of our control, really out of our hands and and we're just following uh, all the the health and safety protocols
6: Fantastic, Uh, the uh, Pats start the season on the road in PA on uh, Friday, October 1st, first home game though on Saturday, October 2nd Dante, I really appreciate your time it'll be great to meet you when you uh, and the Pats roll through Edmonton.
1: Thanks a lot for having me I appreciate it
6: Dante DiCaria, the new guy in town, and uh, not just in Regina, but in the WHL. In fact, there are actually three new broadcasters in the Eastern Division. One of them, a familiar name, who we'll get to here in our next segment, actually. But uh, the the Pats this year, it's going to be interesting because there is going to be that feeling of almost like you're kind of under the gun a little bit, at least from the outside looking in. We got to make something happen now. We only got Connor Bedard for this year and next year. Next year is the target year, I would think, because there's still lots to do uh, in Regina, I think, to make this team a contender. But this is an important year to get some groundwork done and uh, get some experience for a lot of these young players that are on the team. And I think playoff experience is really important. So I think it's make the playoffs this year. I don't know if they're going to be, if they'll finish high enough in the Eastern Division. I guess in the one through eight in the conference now in the Eastern conference to be in a position where they can win the first round. We'll see. I mean, obviously the season hasn't started yet. We got a long way to go. Maybe the Pats make some more additions. I won't be surprised if what the roster looks like right now and what it looks like on January 10th is very different. That won't surprise me, but whatever the case you got Connor Bedard, you've got a chance and uh, he's going to be a fun player to watch this year. His first full season, in the Western Hockey League. Is it fair to expect that he's probably playing in the World Junior Championship? I mean, he was at the World U18 in the spring and was one of Canada's best players, probably, you know, he and Shane Wright, between the two of them. And then you had Matt Michkov uh, with the Russians, the three underage guys who were lights out in that tournament. Is it unrealistic to think he's on the World Junior team as a 16-year-old? I don't think so. So the Pats will be without him for about a month. And can that secondary scoring that they're trying to add for, for him to play with him, will that be enough to carry them for that month and keep them in the playoff hunt? It's not going to be easy. Uh, I think the East is going to have some uh, some good teams, some very competitive teams, uh, and we'll find that out as we continue on here with the East Division preview. Next up is in Winnipeg, Brian Munns returning to the WHL. Former voice of the Prince Albert Raiders, now the voice of the Winnipeg Ice Let's get reacquainted with Brian Munns next here on the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Turkey.
3: Now near side whites, far side Krebs wrist shot, scores! Peyton Krebs a wrist shot from the far side and gets by Bailey Birkin. Hey, Peyton Krebs from the Kootenai, and this is the Pipeline Show.
6: troubled monk brew of the week sure is a tasty one but what is it
2: bucktooth belgian white a light and citrusy flavorful beer this belgian white is a perfect patio pint try it with a freshly cut orange to brighten up
7: your already sunny day player comparable patrick kane knows what season to turn it on and has splashes of brilliance
6: troubled monk visit the tap room in red deer or get free same day home delivery in alberta by placing an order at troubled troubled monk craft beverages worth sharing
0: you're listening to the pipeline show with gee flaming i think i'm getting the black lung pop
6: we are back on the pipeline show with gee flaming the program brought to you by our title sponsor that's of course wilhock beef Turkey. it's alberta's best beef jerky and uh, two locations, Spruce Grove and Leduc, but if you can't get to either location and you're in Western Canada, just get in contact with them, they'll ship it to you. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, that's Uh My guest today, as we uh, continue on with our team-by-team previews, we're into the East Division now, and we're heading to Winnipeg to uh, chat Winnipeg Ice, and my guest today it's got to be the youngest guy I know who's in a uh, Hockey League Hall of Fame. Uh, Brian Munzer, uh, back in the WHL. Munzer, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are you?
2: I'm outstanding, Gee. I'm going to send you my address momentarily for some of that beef jerky.
6: All right. That sounds good. Well, when you guys roll through Edmonton, <laughs> I might just have a bag for you up in the press box. Who knows?
2: Absolutely, I, I don't think we'd get halfway to Red Deer, and the players will probably devour it. Yeah. So I might not get much of it myself. But uh, hey, it's good to catch up again. It's been a while for sure.
6: It has been. Now, when I got first met you, you were calling the games here in Edmonton for the uh, AHL's Edmonton Roadrunners, the uh, the one year uh, during the lockout that the Oilers brought their farm team here. From then, uh, you you spent some time in Winnipeg, a lot of time in Winnipeg with the uh, the the Jets organization with with their farm team as well. Uh, what's it like for you now to get back to the WHL? It's kind of where you started. Uh, actually, you were in the SJHL first, too, weren't you?
2: Yeah, it uh, it's kind of full circle for me. I've kind of joked with a few people. I've kind of completed the hat trick here in Winnipeg. I've called Moose Hockey in the American League. I've done the Jets, obviously, in the NHL. And now into their third season here since moving from Cranbrook, I get uh, the Winnipeg Ice. So I'm excited about it. Like When I was in elementary school in Regina, the Pats were my NHL. Right. Like, back in the early 90s, Mike Sillinger and Frank Kovacs, and I could list you the entire roster. I could tell you anything about uh, all those guys. So, those were, were my hockey heroes. And then, obviously, getting a chance to move into the SJHL and then into Prince Albert for four years calling Raider Hockey. Uh, you know, I kind of hit the home run, and then, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a chance to live my dream and call NHL Hockey both on TV and radio. So, it uh, it's great to be back in the league. I've still got a lot of friends. We're all getting a little bit older. We're all a little bit slower, but uh, <laughs> hey, we're having fun with it, and uh, it's been it's been really cool so far. It's been a lot lot of uh, lot of laughs so far around the rink for sure.
6: Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League Hall of Fame inductee in twenty fourteen. What did that mean to you?
2: Well, it was special because uh, you know after I had elementary school in Regina, my dad got transferred to Humboldt. And we moved to Humboldt in grade nine and they still live there today. Hmm. So that for me is home. Like that's kind of where my formidable years all came through. You know, that's where your high school buddies are from. And obviously, uh, you know, not only going to high school with a lot of the Broncos, but then my first real hockey job was at CJVR Radio in Melford doing the SJHL for five years. And, you know, we did the Broncos, the Melford Mustangs and the Nipple and Hawks and you know, you and I have talked a lot since that time. There's no better place to start calling hockey than a place that gives you 144 games a winter <laughs> with three different teams. Now, it's different because Humboldt and Nipple have their own radio stations now. So, who's ever calling Mustang hockey uh, in Belfort only looks after the one team. But uh, from 1995 to 2000, I think I was probably the busiest guy in Canada doing junior A hockey. and you know, it uh, really laid the groundwork. It allowed me to make mistakes. It allowed me to uh, to kind of learn. And and then, as you mentioned, uh, when I got the call from, you know, the current president of the league right now, Bill Chow, saying that I was going to be one of the guys inducted uh, back in 2014, that it, uh, it was special. It was great for my family to come back. Uh, my wife got a chance to come in and see what Melford was all about. So uh, it was a really fun weekend. And, and I got to go in with a lot of my really good friends, too. You know, all our banners are hanging now in the rink, and I get pictures sent from uh, different friends and family that uh, kind of cruise through the arena watching minor hockey or whatever they're doing. And, you know, they'll laugh, still saying the banner's still hanging. So, uh <laughs> you know, it's good. It, uh, it's something I'm really proud of, for sure.
6: All right. Well, fantastic. Let's get to the, uh, the Winnipeg ice, and uh, we'll start previewing this coming season by looking back and just mentioning the players who aren't back from um, what we saw at down in the uh, the subway hub in Regina. Uh, those would be the, the three overage guys. That's uh, Jackson, Def Leppard, Anderson, McDonald, and uh, Nolan Orzek uh, on the back end. And, of course, we know Peyton Krebs not back this year either, um, barring some sort of miracle. I don't think anybody is planning on having seeing him around Winnipeg this year unless he's playing against the Jets, correct?
2: Yeah, there's not a 19 on the roster. So uh, I think they're just keeping that one uh, in a framed container right now uh, <laughs> inside the ice complex. Nolan Orzak is back. Oh, he He's is. Currently one of 20-year-olds. Yeah. He's one of 420s that uh, they have on their roster. And obviously, I believe it's October 10th that uh, teams have to be down to their 320-year-olds. But uh, mm-hmm. he is around. But there's no question that Peyton Krebs has left his imprint on this organization. He roomed with Connor Geeky during the and Regina. And, I'm sure we'll talk about Geeky and Matt Savoy a little bit when we get a little bit deeper into this preview here. But uh, you know those names that you mentioned there that uh, have moved on because of age uh, had a really big impact on this young club right now that has some high expectation on them for sure.
6: All right, well let's uh, start in net and uh, go by position that way. And uh, the goaltenders who are in camp still. And correct me if I'm wrong again, but um, I believe uh, it's pretty much gage alexander's net to lose is it not as as the bona fide starter this year
2: well you know that's interesting because i would have kind of thought the same thing coming in and you know i'm kind of like everybody that's listening right now getting caught up on this team because i wasn't involved last year sure but uh you know you talk to people around the league and i think it's going to be uh, a battle this year between gage alexander and the 17 year old daniel hauser uh hauser went undefeated in the eight games that he played last year, he was seven Oh and one. And, uh, you know, he's five eleven, 11, he's 160 pounds. And then obviously Gage got drafted by the Anaheim ducks at six foot seven, two Oh five. And as we speak right now, he's been in Anaheim for the last three weeks at duck rookie camp and just getting kind of acclimatized to what it could take for him to get to the next level down the road. So I haven't seen gauge person to person as of yet, but, uh, you know, it is going to be interesting to watch exactly how James Patrick and their goaltending coach, Byron Spriggs, decide to break up the game. So I wouldn't say it's Gage Alexander's team 100%. I think, uh, and you know, we haven't really got into this much around the organization yet, but I think we're going to see a lot of both uh, Gage Alexander and Daniel Hauser in net this year because both guys have shown in the past they can play, and both guys obviously uh, just want to continue to get better for not only themselves, the organization
6: well that makes it a great competition in camp is probably a good thing helps to uh, push both yeah. guys now alexander hasn't been around as you as said when you, i mean alexander six seven hauser is five eleven uh, you can't get a whole yeah. lot more different when he comes to goaltenders than that do you you've been around this game a long time do you think it changes the way a team plays in front of the goaltender depending on which goal he's in that
2: you know i don't know the answer to that yet I think that might be a question a month in when okay. we have a chance to see both guys and how everybody reacts in front of them. But, uh, you know, the first thing I look at obviously is the same thing that you do the size, but watching Hauser every day during training camp. And then he played, uh, you know, some exhibition action last week against Regina and he'll get at least one of the games coming in here against Brandon later on this week. He's fast. You know, he, he's a fun goalie to watch because he does need to move. He does need to use his athleticism because, you know, God didn't give him the big frame that Gage Alexander has. But uh, a lot of people think that Daniel Hauser is going to be a very, very good goaltender in this league. And again, he's only 17 years old. Uh, His birthday is in January. So he's got a lot of time to play in this league. And he's made an impression on a lot of people really quick. So it's going to be fun.
6: All right, that's a good story to watch for. Uh, let's go to the back end, and uh, we got uh, some of that. You mentioned Orzek is still back, and uh, Mike Ladyman is uh, with the team as well, correct? Uh, as a 2001 born player. Yep. Then you got a couple of 19-year-olds as well. So this is a, a team that's got some veteran presence on the back end.
2: Well, they do. Uh, you think about it, we'll run it through here real quick. Carter Prasovsky, Ben Zalowski, you mentioned Ladyman, Anson McMaster. You talked about Nolan Orzek. And then you've got Brant Young, Owen Boucher, and Carson Lambos, who was picked by the Minnesota Wild 26th overall this past June in the NHL draft, is currently down at Minnesota Wild training camp. They have eight defensemen currently in camp that had experience with them last year. Mm -hmm. So we know that you can only play six or seven at max, uh, usually, in a regular season game. So this is a good problem right now. It's the deepest that they've been in. You James Patrick, the head coach into his fifth season now, has talked a lot about that with a lot of the local media here, that this is the deepest club that he's seen since taking over this organization from behind the bench. So there is uh, some excitement for sure with these guys. And I guess the question right now, we all expect Carson Lambos to be back, but exactly when Bill Guerin decides to give and how long that look is with the Minnesota Wild, we'll wait and see if he'll be back October 1st to open up against Brandon or maybe he might miss the first few games of the regular season we'll wait and see but uh you know Carson Lambo's for sure is the one that everybody's going to keep an eye on uh on this Winnipeg blue line for sure
6: eight returning defensemen from last year and two new imports as well and they're both in camp aren't they
2: yeah they are uh Martin Bohm is from the Czech Republic and Maximilian Struhl how fun is that going to be That's during the great. year?
6: That's great, yeah.
2: Absolutely. And he said, you can call me Max. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're <laughs> going to be Max a million every night. Uh, you know, he's he's probably caught my attention as one of the most notable defensemen out of all of them right now. He's a physical dude. Like, he's only 5'11", 172, but he bangs everything in sight. And uh, makes it really intriguing, whether he's in camp or whether he's been involved in uh, the exhibition hockey we've seen so far. So I know when, uh, you know, we come to Edmonton and the Oil King fans will be watching this club, I would expect to see him wearing jersey number 21 of a pretty regular shift on the blue line. And, and Martin Baum too, is, uh, you know, he's a little bit smaller. He plays a little bit more of a, a finesse game, A kid out of the Czech Republic, but, uh, you know, both. Both have fit in well. They're both their first real times being away from home, so they're getting used to the the culture of Winnipeg and uh, what the CHL is all about. So it'll be neat to watch their transition for sure into major junior hockey.
6: All right, Brian Munns is my guest. He's the voice of the Winnipeg Ice, and uh, we're previewing that club ahead of the upcoming WHL season. Uh, Looking at the forward group and it looks like all the – the uh, the marquee names are off to a good start here in preseason. Connor Geeky, Car- uh, excuse me, Matthew Savoy, Cole Muir, uh, all with uh, multiple point games uh, already. And uh, Connor McLennan's still in Philly camp, but we would expect him back as well.
2: Yeah, and that's uh, the waiting game. So it was it was interesting to watch the beginning of camp because we talked about Gauge Alexander, both he and Connor McLennan. Uh, didn't even make their way to Winnipeg. Like They went, respectively, straight to Anaheim and Philadelphia. Lambos was here for about a week and then made his way down to Minnesota. So those are the three players that are away from Winnipeg right now. And again, unless uh, something miraculously goes in their favor during training camp, all three guys will be back. You'd love for them not to be, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you also love for them to be here because this hockey club's expected to make a run for the championship this year. At least that's the way they're hoping things play out but uh yeah you know what Connor mclennan has been around for a while obviously he's going to be a big part of this team and you know you talked about geeky and savoy that is what the conversation around the water cooler right now is here for winnipeg hockey fans they'll be the number one and number two center at 17 years old and being the uh, two guys that are up for the draft this year there will be a lot of nhl scouts watching the winnipeg ice this year for sure and deservedly so
6: i would have to think so now very different players though aren't they i mean geeky listed at six foot four savoy five nine and much like your goaltenders they can't be uh, you know they must have very different skill sets as well
2: yeah you know what they do um and kind of i've only been around them obviously for the couple weeks of training camp but kind of two different personalities too like connor geeky we know the geeky family in hockey right he's got two other brothers that have played the game at a high level, the highest level there is. And, uh, you know, he, he doesn't get pushed around. Uh, and you always know when he's around because you can hear him. Hmm. He uh, He's a fun-loving guy that, that keeps everything pretty loose. Uh, and Matt Savoy is uh, a little bit more reserved, but when both guys step on the ice, you can see why the buzz is around those players. Uh, the one thing for Savoy, and, you know, I didn't see him before coming into Winnipeg Ice Training Camp, but boy, he's got speed to burn. And he just kind of flips that gear and away he goes. And you know, I know, uh, I know his agent. Well, we talk about my time back uh, when I was calling hockey and junior earlier on Kevin Corals, his agent, and he's obviously a star with the Regina Pats and the Kelowna Rockets. And, you know, I've talked to Kevin a lot about uh, what Matt Savoy looks like he's going to be able to do. And there's uh, a lot of excitement for both of these young guys. And then you know, a lot of the veterans, too, like Jake and Smallwood and Milky, uh, Mikey Milne and James Form and Owen Peterson. Cole Muir is a 20-year-old. Chase Berthel you know, Zach Benson's only 16 years old. Like, the sky's the limit for this team. I think I'm going to be calling a lot of goals uh, on the air this year, so I'm looking forward to it.
6: Well, and maybe that's where we go next is just where you set the bar for expectations this year. I know you're still getting used to the getting to know this team and you haven't seen most of the other clubs. But you get the sense around your organization what you talked about. This is a, a contending team, uh, in, in the opinion of a lot of people there.
2: Well, that seems to be the buzz that uh, I'm getting from around the league, whether it's talking to management types or other broadcasters or a few people that I know that uh, follow major junior hockey a lot closer than I did until about a month and a half ago. Uh, this club is expected to compete along with the branded Wheat Kings. They're expected to be the top two teams. Uh, in the East Division this year. That's not gonna make too many Saskatchewan people happy to have the two <laughs> Manitoba clubs maybe one two. And uh, you know, my old Raider alumni in PA probably will have something to say about that by the time the end of the year is has come and gone. And I think we're all really excited to see what Connor Badard's gonna be able to do with the uh, a full season here with the Regina Pats. We saw him last weekend and he scored three goals in two games and you, know, you just watch him and at times you don't notice him, but then all of a sudden, boom, he's got the puck and he's gone. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch this division. And uh, I'm, I'm intrigued about it. And, you know, we're hearing a lot about the Oil Kings and Edmonton. So kind of what I've heard so far and kind of the pieces that I've been able to put together, it seems to be Winnipeg, Brandon, Edmonton in no particular order, kind of one, two, three that kind of have their targets on their back going into this year.
6: Well, can you imagine the travel in the playoffs if it was, uh, you know, a combination of Edmonton and one of those Manitoba teams in the, you know, in the final Hooli. I can Thankfully, I can still sleep well on the bus. <laughs> I was going to ask, you know, you've been getting used to the uh, the cozy uh, airplane trips and stuff like that. How do you feel yeah. about getting back on the bus?
2: I love it. You know, and everybody I tell that to is kind of like, yeah, right. But, <laughs> like, for people that really know me, they know that's one of my quirks. Like, I can literally sleep anywhere. so. I can, uh, and I've kind of devised a little travel table. Cole Hillier, our equipment manager here with the ice, uh, had one in the back and he's like, Hey, how about this? So I've got a neat little desk set up by my chairs already that I can get a lot of computer work done. And then when I start to fade, it'll be lights out in about 15 seconds. So I'm excited to get back It, you know, I have so many fun memories and, and we talked about the SJ and my time in PA earlier on and, and even that roadrunner year in, in uh, what was it? Oh, four, Oh five, I guess.
6: Yeah.
2: Or Oh five Oh six. Uh, the lockout season, like so many of my really good friends today are either players or coaches from, from all that time that, uh, you know, you build really good relationships with because you spend so much time together. So for James Patrick and for Josh green and, you know our training staff. Players are obviously a little bit younger now, so it's going to be different in that regard. Right. Um. But you know we're going to have a lot of fun. I'm I'm excited about this year, and and then all the coaches that are in the league again. Like I know ninety percent of these guys from from past experience are crossing paths in the NHL or the American League. So it's going to be a great season. I'm I'm
6: fired up. Last thing I wanted to ask, and I've been asking all the guys uh, across the the league about this, is for the benefit of the fans that want to come to the rink and watch the ice in person. What do they need to know ahead of time? Uh, you know, with, with all the COVID protocols and stuff, every province and in, in the states is seems to be different. So, what's it like right now for for fans for the Winnipeg Ice? Yeah, you know
2: what, Dee? it just kind of seems like it's regular life here in Winnipeg right now. Hmm. Um, you know, I think we've been maybe locked down consistently more than what everybody else has been to the West of us. So we don't really think a lot about it anymore. Like you go into a a building and you have to wear a mask and, you know, no one really seems to falter with that. You do have, you know, the, the odd people that are out there that are arguing it and that kind of thing. But whether you're going to a jets game or a bomber game or, you know, whatever it may be in Manitoba right now, you have to wear a mask. So I think pretty much that's just what we're all used to. So, double vaccinated and wear a mask when you're not having a drink or having a bite to eat in the stands and you can kick back we're expecting full capacity here when things get going october two uh for the home game inside the ice cave and you know i think we're all just excited to kind of see what the new norm is all about because this is really kind of a reboot for them too right like they only had the first year and then last year was the bubble year where they didn't have any hockey here. And then yeah. the excitement with all the young talent that we've talked about here in the draft kids, uh, you know, I think the ice cave is going to be a lot of fun this season.
6: Yeah, it should be a fun team to watch too. I expect the atmosphere there will be uh, will be great because I think the crowd will come out. should be a fun year for uh, for the Winnipeg Ice and their fans. Thanks for doing this, Brian. It was great to catch up with you. And looking forward to uh, seeing you win the ice roll through Edmonton.
2: Absolutely, Gabe. Anytime. Take care. Mm-hmm.
6: That's Brian Munns previewing the Winnipeg Ice this year, and I agree with him. I think uh, the Ice are going to be contending for top spot in the Eastern Division, and if that's the case, then, yeah, they'd be competing for top spot in the conference and potentially for the WHL title. You can let me know what you think. I'm putting up the poll that says uh, it's already up. Give me your 1-6 through six predicted finish in the regular season for the Eastern Division. 1-6, through six, that would be... The two teams in Manitoba, as well as Prince Albert, Saskatoon, Moose Jaw, and the Regina Pats, I think it's going to be pretty competitive. For me, it's hard to look at a team and say, okay, well, they're clearly the weak sister this year. You know, in years past, you'd say, okay, well, Regina is rebuilding, obviously. Well, now they've got the best player in the league. Happens to be the best 16-year-old on the planet. You heard Brian mention how strong Brandon is expected to be. Saskatoon's still good. I think Moose Jaw is a team on the rise. And Prince Albert, you know, they still got Ozzie wiseblatt They still got Brennan Gooley. They might not be the team they were two, three years ago when they were WHL champs, but they're not going to be an easy out. So should be a fun uh, season here in the East Division. All right, next up, we are scheduled to head to Moose Jaw and uh, talk about those Warriors. James Gallo, the voice of the Warriors, is scheduled to be my guest. That's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Not on the end boards and
5: it turns it over peck forward, comes around as woo shot he scores jet Wu snaps it far side over the glove of logan
3: thompson and the warriors have extended their lead hi this is jet woo from the moose jaw warriors and you're listening to the pipeline show
0: Hockey Sticks and Honky Tonk is back with Canadian superstars Jade Eagleson and Jess Moscow. We got all to figure. Out. Don't miss all your boots, stomp, and favorites with a rock and tailgate party and drive in concert. October 9th at Western Star Trucks North in Acheson. Hockey Sticks and Honky Tonk, presented by GS Construction and Next Gen Transportation. A live concert in support of local charities. Tickets are sold by the carload and start at $30 per person. Get yours at tickets.sprucegroveSaints.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
6: Comes around is all around. Don't you mean what's all around comes around, Ricky? We're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. The program, of course, brought to you by our title sponsor. That's Wilhawk Beef Turkeys. The best beef turkey in Alberta. Two locations, Spruce Grove, Leduc. But if you're in Western Canada and you're not going to make that drive all the way in, you can get it uh, shipped to you. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. Just contact Wilhock Beef Turkey. It's com. Our next uh, stop on the tour through the East Division takes us to Prince Albert, and uh, the new play-by-play man for the Prince Albert Raiders is Rob Mann. Rob, welcome to the program. How are you? Doing well, thanks again. It's great to be on. Well, I appreciate you making the time like this. I know uh, this time of year can be pretty hectic and busy, and you're the new face in town, so you got lots going on. Uh, so I appreciate you making the time. Maybe we'll start there, uh, because I've never met you in person and won't until the uh, the Raiders roll through Edmonton, but uh, let's get the, a little background on you, if you don't mind. Uh, how'd you get this gig? Where are you from? Tell us the story. Well, the story is a long
4: one, but I'll give you the, the Notes version of it. Basically, I'm born and raised in Winnipeg. I was there for 24 years. I uh, had a communications degree through school and was lucky enough to do some play-by-play for the Manitoba Bison men's hockey team. Fell in love with doing it, so I went out west to chase a job in Estevan, Saskatchewan. and I was there from 2017-18, through this most recent pandemic-shortened year. And when the Raiders' job came open, I thought, well, there's an opportunity I cannot pass up. So I put my name in the hat. And uh, they were, uh, well, jury's out on whether they were lucky enough or foolish enough to get me. <laughs> but we'll see whether or not that, uh, that proves one way or the other. But I feel very fortunate to be here in Prince Albert. I'm really looking forward to my first Western Hockey League
6: season. Estevan, you said the Estevan Bruins. Did they not introduce the, uh, the all-white jerseys here in the last couple of years?
4: Oh, was that ever a fun few weeks on social media. And when Bob McKenzie's tweeting about you with nothing other than the eyes emoji, I mean,
6: <laughs> they say there's no such
4: thing as bad press, so that definitely got some attention. The Bruins had a lot of attention on them that year. There were two moments in which they went viral out of out of seemingly nowhere. And the, other, the other you might remember was the Jaden Davis goal.
6: I don't actually. Rem- remind me, though. I'll look it up afterwards.
4: Well, the Jaden Davis goal was one where the Bruins captain at the time... Uh, toe-dragged his way around the defender and then went between the legs on the goaltender to finish it off. He ended up on Sports Center on NBC. Hmm. I think he spent some time on uh, Sports Illustrated or the NHL Network. The highlights ended up on there. So he ended up uh, going viral. And the ironic thing was, my first year at the Bruins, the guys teased Jaden Davis remorselessly for not having hands.
6: <laughs> and, well, that, uh, that didn't last so well. Well, that's good. It inspired them. See, there you go. I, I wanted to ask from a broadcast perspective those white jerseys because the pictures of them, it looked like it would be a challenge to be calling the games with the, the the jerseys and the numbers. Um, and now I'm used to a rink here in Edmonton that you're way up above the ice, a little dip, bit different, I'm guessing. In Estevan, was it a little bit easier there, or was it still a challenge?
4: It was a little bit easier. Estevan actually is a really modern rink. So
6: you are still a ways off the yes, but of course nothing like Edmonton or certainly Calgary would be.
4: But you are farther away from the action than probably any other junior A rink on the Prairies. So it definitely was a little bit of a challenge. For me, it was one because I'm used to seeing these players every game. Right. It's not just the names and numbers that identify them to me. It's their skating style. It's the way they carry themselves. It's their, even what hand they are. In some cases, I mean, we had guys like Dane Sardelli and Austin King Cunningham who stood out because they were six foot six and six foot four, respectively. But for broadcasters who saw the Bruins, you know, I would see them sixty times a year. These guys would see them maybe three or four. Yeah, yeah, that was a challenge because you're having to read numbers from long range, and they didn't stick out very well. The numbers didn't, and it, I think it did make for a challenge for some broadcasters. Uh, the good news is, in a lot of rinks in the SJHL, you're a lot closer to the action than that. In some cases, a literal stick length away. So, reading the numbers at that point became a little bit less of a uh, a font challenge and more of a speed at which they go by challenge.
6: Yes, exactly. Uh, I know what you mean too about identifying players in other ways other than just reading their name bars or the or the numbers. That I am guessing that's uh, maybe a bit of the learning curve here in the early part of your days with uh, with Prince Albert. You're getting to know these players through. Preseason and camp and stuff like that, but it might take a few weeks before you nail that aspect.
4: Yeah, I'm starting to get a feel for which player skates in which fashion, carries the puck in which fashion, how they stick, handle, and just how they look. You're getting more and more used to being able to identify players without the names and numbers, but that said, every now and then the numbers do come in very, very handy, mm-hmm. and uh, especially so for teams that I've not yet seen because really I've only seen their entire the so far. So I'm going to get a close look at the uh, Saskatoon Blades coming up this weekend ahead. And looking forward to seeing, eventually, 20 other teams.
6: All right, well, let's get to the uh, the Raiders as uh, camp is uh, advanced and we're into the preseason, well into it at this point. Um, first, let's take a, a quick look back at the uh, the roster that was involved in the spring and the overage players who aren't back with the team this year, Spencer Moe, Justin Knockbar, as well as Netminer Max Paddock. Uh, anybody else, uh, whether it's by trade or maybe just uh, hung up the skates, uh, not back with the team this year?
4: Uh, as far as trades go, there have been a few prospects that have moved around, but nobody who's been uh, nobody who's been with the team for any length of time has been traded. And as far as retirements go, I don't believe there were any retirements from last year's group. Okay. So it does look like if you were familiar with the Raiders in 2021, you'll have at least a sense of them in 2021-22, depending on who comes back from the NHL and when.
6: Well, and I guess we'll we'll get to those guys here in in a minute. But uh, it looks like on paper, at least, a lot of the returning scores from the spring team are back, and that means you're also returning a lot of the key guys. Uh, let's start in net, though, and what the uh, the goaltending situation is looking like right now. I'm guessing, uh, without being there, that uh, Carter Serdenko is the or excuse me, Sarienko is uh is the go to guy now.
4: Suryanko is the presumed starter. Yes. And uh, of course he's away at Calgary flames camp and he went from the rookie roster to the main camp roster recently. In fact, the Raiders just announced that today. So mm. he's probably not going to be here for a little bit. The backup goaltending battle is going to be fascinating. You have Max Hildebrand, who was with the team in the Hub environment last
7: season into any
4: games, but he is available to the team. Then you have a recently acquired player, Ronan Garrity, whose name, by the way, I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. They picked up from the Tri-City Americans in exchange for prospect Ivan Kedrov. So that's going to be another guy in the mix. And then you have the import goaltender, because if you look at the Raiders' preseason roster, Tikhon Sheikha is on it. And the expectation is that he will arrive in Prince Albert at some point. They are preparing for him to be here. It's just a question of him navigating through certain intricacies of the legal system without going into too many details. So you really got a lot of people vying for that goaltending job. But at the moment, it's really just Hildebrand and Garrity because the others are away for one reason or another.
6: Interesting. So lots to still be decided there then, especially if Sarienko comes back. Um, So we'll see. Well, and I guess that provides options, though, as well. And, you know, if, uh, if Curtis Hunt feels he can address another position with by moving a goaltender, I guess he has that option.
4: Better to have too many than too few, that's for sure.
6: It's a good way of looking at it, for sure. All right, let's go to the back end. And uh, Caden Gooley, the marquee name, I think that's fair to say, uh, for the, uh, the Prince Albert Raiders. But I think Nolan Allen gets overlooked a lot. Uh, both of them drafted 2020 for Caden Gooley, first round. But uh, Nolan Allen, also a first-round pick end of the uh, the very first round of this uh last draft number 32 overall to the chicago blackhawks um i'm guessing both of those guys haven't been around much if at all
4: no we got a good look at them during the green and white game and during camp scrimmages and now they're off to show what they can do with the nhl and we'll see how long they're there for i mean montreal was a bit of an interesting thing for Kaden Gooley because of course over the off season, shea weber got injured mm-hmm. so does that open up a job well maybe but they also signed david savard so We'll see what ultimately transpires there. Given the fact that Gooley played only the two games in the Western Hockey League last year, I'm not sure if Montreal is eager for him to make the jump full-time to the NHL with effectively only one post-draft season under his belt. Yeah. But in fact, not even one post-draft season because he only played the two games due to injury. But we'll see when he ultimately returns, or if he does, to Prince Albert. As far as Nolan Allen goes, Chicago's got a lot of defensemen, and it's not common for 18-year-old defensemen, even first-rounders, to jump right into the NHL. So I think most people would say that Nolan Allen probably will be back, and if he's back before Caden Gouley is, he'll probably get a little more responsibility. Those guys are the headliners, but if you look at the Raiders' D-Core, and if you're breaking down their roster, the D is probably the position of strength.
7: Hmm.
4: Even if Gouley has gone in the NHL for some time, Nolan Allen is a first-round pick, Landon Kosher has been showing very well at Los Angeles Kings development camp, and we'll see whether or not he ultimately gets an invite to main camp. Some of the other Raiders players have many yeah, on back there, and uh, a couple of other players who made their debuts in the hub environments who look like they've taken big steps.
6: Well, and it, it, there's some size back there, but uh, lots of mobility as well. Is there, can he put a finger on you know, an overall identity of this defensive core yet?
4: Uh, there's there's no one lacking size. I don't think like the smallest player height-wise is Landon Kozier, but he doesn't play small. He'll step up on guys. He'll seal the wall. Yeah. Pretty much every member of this Raiders defense corps is willing to play a nasty, heavy game. So there aren't going to be a lot of easy nights against this defense group. You go down man-to-man, they're a tough group. They're willing to play the body. Most of them are pretty smooth skaters and pretty good with the puck. Again, the defense is an overall strength. And um, Gooly comes back, obviously, you're adding... In my mind, the best defenseman in the WHL right now. I'm sure there's some contention for that title, but I think Gooley is probably at or near the top of that list if he returns.
6: All right. Aquilon is a, a 20-year-old, and there are three 20-year-olds up front as well, and Michael Horan, Reese Vitelli, and Eric Pierce, and uh, the team can only keep three. I'm not going to ask you to tell me who's the odd man out, but uh, that competition in camp is uh, certainly a, a good thing as well, isn't it?
4: Oh, absolutely. And Reese Vitelli's been away as well with the Arizona Coyotes. In fact, he just, again today, got announced that he had earned, despite being a camp invite for the rookie camp, an invite to the main camp. So there's another Raider player who's getting a chance to show what they can do in front of NHL scouts. The battle between Horon and Pierce in camp has been fascinating to watch because they've gone back and forth, offensively speaking. And in the two exhibition games, they were two of the offensive leaders. So these are guys who definitely have a lot to play for in the exhibition series in the training camp. Obviously rookies trying to make the team have a lot to play for, but you could argue Horon and Pierce are in the exact same boat. Yeah. And ultimately they're showing up. They're putting up the offense so far. Horon has two goals in two games, both of them pretty nice goals. And I think he was contending with the unofficial camp scoring lead during the scrimmages. So it'll be curious to see the games really will tell the story there of who stays and who goes. But the Raiders are keeping it pretty close to the vest right now, and I don't think we'll have a, a definitive answer to that question for some time
6: yet. Well, and again, the marquee name up front is another first-round NHL pick, uh, Ozzy Weisblatt, San Jose Sharks selection uh, in 2020. If he comes back, uh, and I think, as you mentioned with uh, with Guglia and Nolan Allen, and considering the short season that everybody played last year, I think San Jose probably sends him back as well. But uh, he obviously is the leader up front, is he not?
4: I would think that's fair to say. And he's been the leader, offensively speaking, or one of the leaders for a couple seasons now. So coming back at 19, second year removed from his draft year, first-round pick, there will be offensive expectations for Ozzie Wiseblatt And I don't think those expectations are going to be a problem for him. He's had expectations in the past, and he's met them. So we'll see what he does when he returns. But he's looked good so far for the Sharks in their rookie tournament. I know he scored two goals the other night against the Colorado Avalanche's rookies, and I think when he comes back, it'll be – expected that he leads the charge offensively
6: keaton sorensen's an interesting pickup from the red deer rebels he had great numbers while he was with notre dame down in wilcox but never really clicked for him in red deer i guess the hope is that maybe he regains that offensive touch with the prince albert raiders
4: yeah and the price paid to acquire him wasn't astronomical by any means so even if he only turns into a relatively reliable middle six player you've made good on that investment If you ask Curtis Hunt about Keaton Sorensen and I have, he'll start to smile a little bit because he likes the way this pickup is shaping up so far. Mm -hmm. He's looked good in the exhibition games against the Regina Pats. He's looked great in camp. He's not afraid to get into the dirty areas of the ice, and he's got a little bit of shiftiness to him. He's able to slip checks. He's willing to go to the middle of the ice to attack, and he sets up other players pretty well. The offense obviously was on more display in the 8-6 game against Regina than the 6-2 loss. That just kind of goes without saying, but in the 8-6 game in particular, Sorensen stood out as a guy who was generating chances and drawing penalties.
6: All right, the rest of the cast up front, uh, there are a bunch of rookies uh, trying to make their way onto the roster and claim spots. Uh, tell me some of the, the the players who at least have impressed so far uh, through uh, the first uh, few weeks of camp and, and exhibition that you expect to take on some roles.
4: I would call Alex Mack probably the surprise of camp so far. Uh, He was not drafted by the Raiders, but he walked on and he actually ended up doing so well in the scrimmages and well enough in the green and white game that he's got a couple of extra exhibition games under his belt as well. So he's a guy who's in contention for a spot. I think Dallin Pekicu will have some heightened expectations this year. Four goals in 15 games, six points overall last season in the hub environment. Not dynamite production, but considering he was 16 pretty good and considering he also plays a bit of a power game you're adding offense on top of that that's a good feeling for a coach to have to know a guy can play those multiple roles he is also from what i've been told not shy about mixing it up or occasionally even dropping the gloves so that's a guy that's going to have a little bit more attention on him this year and probably a little more expectation reports around the raiders are he's done pretty well with his fitness in the offseason he dedicated himself to it and it looks like he's actually dropped some weight and come to camp leaner so there will be more pressure on him, but it looks like he's gone a long way towards meriting it.
6: You know, I, I thought Ozzy Weisblatt was a great name. Dallin Pekicute is terrific. Ethan Ironside. This is a, a team that's got lots of great character oh names. My. Holy.
4: Uh, yeah, there's, I, I love the name Ronan Garrity, personally, because it yeah. love off all the time. But Ethan Ironside is, is a favorite. And if you watch Ironside play, you'll go, yeah, that fits. That fits <laughs> really, really well. Uh, I don't know if you're a heavy metal fan at all. There's an Amon Marth song called Ironside that uh, he reminds me of a little bit. He plays with an edge to his game. He's extremely physical. And during that first exhibition game against Regina, he was a burr under their saddle the entire time. He's a shorter player. He's a stockier player. And he moves fast for a guy who's that size. So when he goes to deliver a big hit, he usually runs
0: guys over.
6: All right. Well, I asked your counterpart in Winnipeg and in uh, Regina for this uh, as well. And, and uh, with the asterisks that you, all three of you are new to the league here. So it's uh, tough to answer this. But maybe your sense of what, not your expectations for the team, but what the feeling is around the team about what would uh, become a successful season. Like, where do you have to set that bar? What, is it make the playoffs and go from there? Or how do they determine what is a, a good season here for the Raiders this season?
4: The Raiders are in a unique spot this year because they're waiting on so many guys to come back from the pros that I think a good season and what direction the season goes is really going to be determined around the trade deadline. Because quite frankly, if you come to that trade deadline and this team is playing up to its potential, playing up to the fact that it has those NHL guys back and everybody's firing on all cylinders, this team could contend. But if things start to go wrong, if guys get hurt, if guys aren't coming back from the professional ranks, Then January 10th rolls around, and maybe you have to make some evaluations on whether or not you need to move guys to acquire assets. This is a team right now that could swing either way. And it sounds like a cop-out answer, but I genuinely feel this way. The season will tell the story with this team. And if you come back on January 10th and these guys have played their hearts out and gotten to a good place, then the Raiders will go from there. They are still the defending champions, and they do, as Mark Hapshye told me, play to win every night. I think you'll expect to see that mentality in the opening act, but you're really going to wait to see how the season unfolds before you start making judgments about whether this team is a contender or whether they're trying to build up to be
6: one. Yeah, that's fair. Rob, uh, last question. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've talked to all the guys in the U.S. division and B.C. and Alberta. Saskatchewan might be a bit of a different sort uh, story right now with the, the COVID regulations and protocols and stuff. So for the benefit of fans who want to get to the Yard Hauser and watch the Raiders in person, What do they need to know ahead of time? What do they have to be prepared for?
4: Well, mandatory masking is in effect pretty much across the province. And that was actually the case at the Yardhauser before Saskatchewan announced it. So during training camp, everybody watching had to be wearing a mask. Uh, I know on October 1st, proof of vaccination is going to be required to get into pretty much any sporting event, I believe. So if you're planning on coming to the home opener, be prepared to show that you are in fact vaccinated and be prepared to wear a mask the entire time.
6: Uh, Rob, it was great to have a chat with you, and I look forward to meeting you in person when uh, the Raiders get into Edmonton.
4: Well, Guy, okay, it was great to meet you virtually, and glad to uh, have been on.
6: Well, I appreciate you making the time. Thanks for doing this, man. We'll talk soon. You take care. That's Rob Mann, the new play-by-play voice of the Prince Albert Raiders. They are the last team to hoist the Ed Chenoweth Cup way back in 2018-19, the last time we had uh, WHL playoffs. No playoffs. In uh, 20 or 21, obviously, as uh, you well know. So, does that make them technically still defending Western Hockey League champs? I don't know. The team's a lot different than it was back then, that's for sure. I agree with uh, Rob that, you know, the first month and a half, two months of the season is, I think, going to dictate what happens with the Raiders this year. Maybe, maybe they play really well and they're competitive and you keep going with the guys you got. Or, as he described, if it goes. The other way, they've got three really, really valuable trade uh, commodities with Ozzy Wiseblatt and Caden Gooley and Nolan Allen. Although Allen, you probably don't trade because you still got them for another couple of years. But wouldn't surprise me to uh, see the, the Raiders, if it came to that, to uh, be moving some bodies and speeding up that rebuild. Because, you know, junior hockey is cyclical. They were at the top three years ago. They're... Not at the bottom right now. They're still a decent team, but it's going the other way because you're about to lose two of those guys next season. So if you want to speed up that rebuild, maybe you move them before the deadline this year. We'll see how it, uh, how it all plays out in uh, PA, but great to have Rob uh, join us here for the preview of the Raiders this year. And uh, it, it looks like it's Mahan, Rob Mahan, M-A-H-O-N, but he says it's man. So I'll go with the guy who tells me how his own name is pronounced. Next up on the Pipeline Show, we've got the Saskatoon Blades, and that means uh, Les Lazarek, the longtime voice of the Blades, is back on the show, and he will preview those Blades next. You're listening to the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Don't go anywhere.
7: And Doc will get back to it. Doc and his blue line. Comes to center, ducks around Leeson, in over the line on the wing, trying to go wide around. Pajal gets in front, shits and Hi, ah! oh, let's go! Kirby Dock puts hand to the ear as if to listen for the booze from the crowd here at the Art Harrison Center. But what a brilliant individual effort by Kirby Dock! And the Blades have opened the scoring in game two in Prince Albert.
8: I'm Kirby
0: Dock of the Saskatoon Blades, and this is the Pipeline Show. Yeah!
8: there's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker, and we change lives one job at a time.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Who's scruffy looking?
6: All right, we're halfway through. East Division preview here on the Pipeline Show, and uh, we're going to head to Saskatoon momentarily. Reminder: the Pipeline Show brought to you by our title sponsor. That's Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta, Alberta's best beef jerky. If you haven't had a chance to try it yet, if you happen to live in Western Canada, you don't have to make the trek all the way to Leduc or Spruce Grove. You can contact either location, any order, any size. They'll ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. Uh, My next guest is the uh, longtime voice of the Saskatoon Blades. That's Les Lazarek. Les, it's great to talk hockey with you once again. How are you?
7: Gee, I feel like I could be the beef jerky you're talking about. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, I got to have some fun. What the heck? It's hockey season. This is, gets too serious after a while. Uh, it, 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 it's nice to be talking hockey. It's nice to be talking to you, Gee. I look forward to seeing you when I'm in Edmonton, hopefully uh and uh yeah it, it's it's just great to be able to uh be back in the saddle again so to speak and we're not that far away from the start of a new season well
6: i'll be there when the blades roll through town i, I expect to be back in the booth the next to andrew peard so it'll be a business back to usual uh but let's talk Good about stuff. the blades and uh i know we're a couple of games into the preseason out they happen the, the blades games happen to both be against the edmonton oil kings yes Let's uh, look at this coming season by first reflecting back on the players who aren't returning from the spring. And, of course, those are the 2000-born guys, Chase Wilders, uh, Caden Daly, both of them up front, as well as uh, on the back end, Wyatt McLeod, who's also a former Oil King. So n- neatly all ties together, Les. It, uh, it works out well that way. Uh, anybody else from uh, what we saw in the abbreviated season in, for you guys down in the Subway Hub in Regina who are not back with the team?
7: Well, the Blades faced a situation, Guy, where they would have had, if they did not make at least one move, and they're going to have to make some more here before long, uh, too many overage players. So one of those already released uh, during the course of the summer was uh, Alex Morozov up front. He had a couple of goals in six points in 24 games. Uh, Cohen McKinnison goal was traded to Everett in exchange for 19-year-old Brendan Lee. Uh, so lee is with the team now and uh, looking to be a part of the top six forward group with the team and then a couple of other forwards who were fringe at best uh, you know looking to possibly be no better than fourth line 13th forward types in this year's team and decided to cut their losses here 18 year old sammy may and 19 year old Braden plaschewski a former second round uh, prospect draft pick of the Blades, both have been let go. So there's seven guys off of the hub team in Regina that are no longer with the Saskatoon Blades.
6: All right. Well, lots of changes then, some new faces as well uh, coming in, which we'll get to now as we uh, look at the defense, or excuse me, we'll, let's start in net. And uh, Nolan Meyer, who's been a mainstay with this uh, franchise for a long time now, he is the number one guy, but he's going to have some competition and at least uh, a, 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 at least one backup that he can depend on.
7: Yeah, I I would say they're going to make a decision eventually on one backup. Uh, Really, everybody knows around here, and even you head coach Brendan Sonny knows what Nolan Meyer can do. And he played one period against the Oil Kings and shut them out, only faced five shots, mind you, and the game had been long gone. So really, there wasn't a whole bunch that the Oil Kings needed to do on that particular evening to try and test them. But everybody around here knows what Nolan Myers is about. The question becomes who gets to be the backup, and those would be uh, Austin Elliott, who uh, is from Strathmore, played briefly with the Notre Dame Hounds uh, in his under-16 year, uh, is a 12th-round pick in the 2019 Prospects draft. And then Ethan Chadwick, who's a Saskatoon kid uh, who was with the Blades throughout the hub in Regina, never saw any action, but was like the third goaltender, did a bad dress as a backup a few times, but he's a third-round pick from that 2019 uh, prospects draft. And Chadwick and Elliott are the guys battling to be the number two guy behind Nolan Meyer and play somewhere around 15 games, I would I would think. Other than the 68, I'd have to think that Meyer is going to start anywhere from 50 to 55 of those games.
6: I would think so as well. It's funny, when you look at, on paper, all three goalies listed at six foot, like, there isn't the, the one guy who's 6'6 six, six and a half or something like that. Um, so they're all very similar, at least. Maybe playing style might be different. Certainly, Meyer with the experience, but uh, are they all kind of cut from the same cloth?
7: For the most part, they are. They have to rely, because of the lack of the height, which is such a big deal nowadays for scouts, uh, uh, I mean, I could start ranting here, Guy, and <laughs> complain about the fact that Nolan Meyer doesn't get the due credit from the national hockey league for his athleticism and his ability to move in the crease and make big saves. Uh, he's just, he, he, he's not the, the prototypical, he's not Sebastian Costa. Let's put it this way. He's not six foot six. And all he has to basically do is be technically sound, be in be pro- well, properly positioned and make the save. He has to do a little bit extra in order to make up for that. And he's been doing that throughout his four previous seasons in the Western Hockey League and is in position. I think he's 30 wins away from breaking the all-time league record for wins by a goaltender. So we'll see what happens with that this year for Nolan Meyer. But uh, Meyer definitely is 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 the key guy here. And the other two guys, to answer your question, would be similar. They're going to have to rely on their athleticism. They're going to have to rely on their movement ability. They're going to have to rely on making sure that they control their rebounds well. And whichever guy does that best is going to be the backup behind Nolan Meyer this season.
6: You know, when it comes to the height of goaltenders, and I, I talk to a lot of scouts, some of them with the NHL, who say, you know, if you're under 6'2", we pro- our team probably doesn't even seriously consider you. Yeah. I look at Nashville, they got UC Saros, who's listed at 5'10", and seems to be stopping the puck pretty well. So maybe he's the exception to the rule, but, you know, 36 games last year, 927 save percentage.
0: Based
7: on that, gee, I rest my case. And the other thing that bothers me, though, is also how – goaltending instructors, and some goaltenders who buy into this, actually the the play where you're looking at a sharp angle shot and you drop down to one knee and you leave that upper corner on the short side between your head and the post wide open, uh, you're basically daring National Hockey League shooters or good major junior Hockey League shooters to pick that corner. Well, you know what? They're good enough. They're going to do it. And I see way too many goals scored that way, and it makes me shake my head and say how stupid – It has to be for those goaltenders to do that and for goaltending instructors to teach that. It's it's ridiculous.
6: Les Lazarek, the uh, voice of the Saskatoon Blades, bringing the heat here on the Pipeline Show as we look ahead (laughs) to the uh, Prince Albert Raiders. uh, Hi-ho, let's go to the the, the Blue Liners, to steal your phrase. Uh, (laughs) When you look at this overall identity of the Saskatoon Blades' defense this year, what stands out to you?
7: Uh, Returnees. All eight guys left over beyond Wyatt McLeod. Wyatt McLeod, yes, is aged out. But the other eight who were in Regina are all eligible to be back. And and as a result, I think this becomes a strength. This was an area going into the hub where you weren't sure what you had. You had McLeod. You had Aiden delegre You had Rhett Reinhardt. And you had Charlie Wright as a 17-year-old sophomore. And those were your vets. And everything else was rookies, raw rookies. Never right. played in the league before, with the exception of Merrick Schneider. Uh, that ended up being a, a position in an area of strength with the help of the coaching of Ryan Marsh. And speaking of the Oil Kings, there he is, a yeah. former Oil Kings assistant coach, is a Blades associate coach going into his fourth year. And, of course, Mitch Love, who played defense for in the Western Hockey League and professionally, now departed as head coach of the Blades. I mean, the, the Blades defense was was an area of strength. And now all you know eight guys come back, and they should be able to give this team an opportunity to win most nights so long as they play as they're capable of playing. And as they did more often than not in that Regina hub.
6: A couple of those guys are draft eligible this year. And I believe Aiden delegore is, is probably the marquee name of the draft eligible guys. Um, For those who haven't had a chance to watch him play, how do you describe him? He was a high, high pick in the Bantam draft.
7: Yeah, he was a first round pick. I think he was fifth overall, if I'm not mistaken in 2017. Uh, Aiden's been passed over a couple of years now, though, by the National Hockey League. Right. Uh, again, he's he's not the biggest guy. He's 6'1", 184 pounds. He's got an offensive flair, and we've started to see that. Uh, it really started to show in Regina. And what the other thing that we're going to see out of him, I wouldn't be surprised if he's named the new captain of the Blades before they start their first regular season game on October first mm. in Moose Jaw. He's got he's got a leadership aspect to him. He's learned his lessons well from Chase Waters. He's got the offensive flair, and bulked up a little bit. It looks like he's a little bigger than what he has been and uh, has, been, has played with a little bit of an edge to his game thus far in the preseason and during training camp. So those are the sorts of things. I, I think he's trying to address his weaknesses and has done, a, from what I can tell, a pretty good job of doing so. You know
6: what? That's just a sign of how old I am and how long it's been since I've actually been able to get into the rinks and watch these games because to <laughs> me he's still like 17 years old.
7: It, it, it's like losing 18 months of your life, right? yeah. and I still go back to sitting uh, you know, in, in Winnipeg uh, on March 12th of 2020 and being told the news of what was going on and how we're going to have to make that long 10-hour bus ride the next day all the way back to Saskatoon. What an empty feeling that was driving back and uh, realizing that the season was done and or, or likely done. I mean, there was still the hope back then that, you know, a couple of weeks time we'll be able to get back at right. it. <laughs> that was foolhardy at best, of course. Uh, it's been 18 months, although we did have the the hub, but and, and thank goodness for that. It, it maintained some sanity for a guy like myself. But it's it, you tend to forget because I wasn't anywhere near those kids. I mean, I saw a lot of them one-on-one for the first time, in a long time. And Della Corjandier is one of those guys that I look at and go, oh, wow, you've grown up some. Good, good for you. Kral Krinkovic looks like he's grown a little bit, matured a little bit. And that's the thing you miss is when you don't get a chance to see them for essentially 18 months. You, you miss out on that growth period. You don't get that continuous look at them. And uh, this is something that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, not just on the Blades, but on some of the other teams as well. I, I mean, I have some preconceived notions of some players around the league that I've seen in the past. But now I'm really going to be curious to see whether they can absolutely shatter those those uh, conceptions that I have of what they are and, and, and make me my words, maybe.
6: I'm with you, Les. Uh, all right, let's go to that forward group. And uh, you mentioned Kyle Krinkovic, who had a terrific uh, season in the hub, uh, led the team in scoring by a lot. I guess the big question right now is the status of Tristan Robbins. He is signed. They could put him in the American Hockey League, uh, talking about the San Jose Sharks. Is that the assumption of what's going to happen, or is there some uh, reason to hope that he comes back uh, to the WHL? And I say hope for Blades fans, uh, obviously. If he goes to the American Hockey League and starts his pro career, we're all happy for him too.
7: Oh, absolutely. Uh, the hope is is that he will come back. The organization is that way. The fans are that way. They're looking and pointing at the 2018-19 season, Guy, where two San Jose Shark 20-year-old forwards were returned to Western Hockey League teams. Most notably, the guy that ended up winning the scoring title in 2018-19, Joachim Blickfeld, to the Portland Winterhawks played the entire season, all 68 games with the Winterhawks, and then Noah Greger, who ended up playing 63 games for the Prince Albert Raiders, who ended up winning the Western Hockey League Championship that year. The Blades are pointing at that and saying, It's really basically the same organizational people. It's still Doug Wilson's the GM, and it's still basically the same type of people who run the show in San Jose. So we're hopeful that the same sort of thing that happened with Blickfeld and Gregor will happen with Tristan Robbins, and he will be back in Saskatoon and playing for the Blades. Of course, a lot has happened since then, and who knows exactly? Uh, The Sharks may very well look at things and say, you know, we're not quite as deep as we once were, and maybe we need to have this 20-year-old playing with the Barracuda in the American Hockey League, or maybe even he makes the Sharks in the National Hockey League. They've got a lot of young prospects, I know that, and speaking with some of their folks, they seem to think that maybe one more year waiting for Robbins, Ozzie uh, There's an Eklund kid from overseas that comes over. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they can get them all to come to, into the league together at the same time, uh, you know, and, and shuffle out some of the older guard that they've got there. And they've got quite a few of them. There's a lot of talk about Thomas Hurdle being possibly traded. Uh, you know, Logan Couture, how, you know, how long does he continue on with San Jose? He's been on mainstay. Patrick Marlowe, obviously, the ageless wonder. Yeah. Uh, at some point, there has to be a, a changing of the guard in San Jose. Does it happen this year necessarily, or does it happen next year? And if it happens next year, then maybe Robbins comes back.
6: All right, well, let's assume for a second he does come back. And whether he's mm. there or not probably changes the complexion of the season a lot for Saskatoon, at least from my perspective. Uh, if he's back, he's probably arguably the top 20-year-old in the league. Uh, who else is the supporting cast around? I mean, we mentioned Krenkovic in the season he had in the hub. Uh, maybe start with him. And just you said he, you've seen some growth from him. Is that uh, mentally he's he's matured that regard? He's still listed at five seven, so it's not like he's suddenly six one.
7: No, he's not suddenly six one, but he seems a little more solid. Uh, I think that there's a guy, though, that uh, again mentally he'll he'll have matured some as well, from what I can tell. Uh, if Robbins comes back, you've got five of your top six scorers from the Hub back with the team. Wow, you have Krenkovic, Robbins, and Doc, who were the top line in Regina and the Hub, being back. You have Brandon Lizowski, who was a sixteen-year-old sensation. Down in Regina with uh, 17 points, eight goals, and he played every game for the Blades. Rhett Reinhardt, if he comes back from Colorado's training camp, he's not a draft pick of theirs. He's a camp invite. So if he comes back, there's five guys, five of your top six. The only guy of the six that isn't back is Chase Waters. Uh, that puts you in pretty good stead. So right away, and then the trade I mentioned earlier, sending Cohen mckinnis to Everett. I mean, a lot of people go, why didn't you keep McInnes as well? Well, no. You've got a guy there in McKinnis who wants to play as many games. Mm-hmm. So too does Nolan Meyer. So you don't have enough time to have them both play forty-five games at least, as they would like to be able to. So you had to deal one and get something back. You got Brendan Lee back, and he's looked good. He scored in each of the first two preseason games. A nineteen-year-old, a Seattle kid, uh, is happy to be here. Uh, suddenly, he becomes a piece that could be on the top six. Uh, and then another person to, to look at would be. Uh, Jaden Weems, who's back after not participating at all in the hub, he chose to opt he, he opted out of the hub. Right, he's back. Uh, so there's another veteran type of guy who can either slot into your second line, can be on your second power play unit, could probably center a third line and do so very well. And he played all 63 games as a 16 year old before the before COVID hit in 2019-20, and didn't look out of place at all. So right away that that forward group is a lot better if Tristan Robbins comes back. And I'm going to throw one more name at you because they haven't dismissed this entirely yet, E. and that is Brad Lambert. There's the kid who was the first overall, who was the first-round pick of the blades in the CHL import draft in 2020. His thing is, is that he's playing with a, with a Finnish Elite League team, has played in five games, is averaging about 13 minutes of playing time a game, has one assist so far, and they had told the Blades that if they weren't happy with his situation, that they would consider coming to Saskatoon. Hmm. And of course, there is a major, major family tie to this city and this franchise, in that his father Ross and his uncle Lane both played for the Blades in the early '80s. So those are the sorts of things that still sit in the back of the mind, and and the Blades are watching. You know, those Finnish Elite League games of uh, of Brad Lambert's team very closely to see just what exactly is happening. They've kept in touch, and they're hopeful that sometime in October they may be able to have him come over. And if he does, well, then that really boosts the forward units here for the Saskatoon Blades. Wow,
6: that would be absolutely amazing. The other potential, if it's not October, maybe he plays the World Junior Championship and just stays. You know, we've seen other players do that as well. Man, that would be a huge gain for the Blades.
7: Absolutely, it would be, but uh, you know the the core is there, especially on defense. Between Delagarzaniere, let's throw in uh, Charlie Wright, as mentioned, uh, Rhett Reinhardt coming back from Colorado, uh, Tanner Molendijk didn't look out of place as a fifteen-year-old playing in the Regina Hub, and Pasha Bacharov was the captain of the U.S. team at the Holinka Gretzky Tournament overseas in Slovakia and the Czech Republic back in August. Right there, you've got the makings of a solid top five on your defense core, and the rest of the guys are, are pretty decent as well, played and showed well in Regina. So that's a good defense. You've got Meyer in goal, the forwards. If you get Robbins back, if you can somehow convince Lambert to come over, man, you get got the look- makings of a pretty good-looking team, uh, and you can start getting a little excited like I. I'm getting a little bit here. I I hope it has, I hope it hasn't come through too much and I'm overselling it a little bit, but I really think that this is something that could happen so long as, and those are two big ifs. Yeah. I will, I will temper it by saying this two big ifs. Yeah. If Robbins comes back, if Lambert Finland, then the blaze have something special. If neither of those happen, well then it's, it's still a playoff team, I think, but I think it's one that you have to maybe then start looking at tweaking around and maybe making some moves and, Goodness gracious, President and GM Colin Priestner has never been afraid to make a trade, so who knows what might happen down the line.
6: Uh, how much have you seen from the two imports? Uh, You've got Moritz Elias, or is it Elias? I'm not sure the pronunciation. He's German, so maybe it's Elias. Uh, and Yegor Sidorov, uh, the Belarusian, both of them forwards. Uh, what do you know about them so far?
7: Well, I haven't seen them. Uh, Moritz Elias uh, arrived in town on Sunday, So he will hopefully play this weekend. Two exhibition games left against Prince Albert. And Sidorov hasn't even arrived yet. Uh, He's expected to be here tomorrow, Thursday. And we'll see if he can get acclimated quickly enough to be available for either Friday in Prince Albert or Saturday against the Raiders in Warman, just north of Saskatoon.
6: All right. Uh, you already uh, answered my next question. I was gonna ask you, you know, this season, uh, is it still a playoff team in Saskatoon? You think that it is, especially obviously if those two very big ifs uh, work out for Saskatoon. Uh, let me ask you this, then. I've been chatting with all the other guys around the league. You know, the in, it, it seems to be different in the states to what it is in BC and again in Alberta for the fans' benefit that uh, want to come to the rink and watch the Blades in person, what do they need to know ahead of time in terms of you know protocols for COVID and all that stuff? What do they need to be prepared for?
7: Wear your mask, uh, absolutely. Uh, come October 1st, see, there's a, there's been some changes from the provincial government, some new restrictions being put in. Uh, make sure that if you're coming to the game, that you have a vaccination record ready to go. that shows that you're fully vaccinated. That's going to probably end up being the case, I would think, for everybody, in the, I, I'd be shocked if we aren't following what pretty much every other sports league is doing right now when it comes for fans, yeah. especially in Canada, is you have to be fully vaccinated. Don't say to yourself, yeah, I'm going to be able to, you know, geek this out and find my way in somehow because I don't want to be. Don't be stupid. Just get it done. Be fully vaccinated. Come in and enjoy the game with everybody else. And, you know, we'll all be fine. I mean, our case numbers here in Saskatchewan are a little on the scary side right now, as they are in Alberta. Uh, It took government here in both provinces long enough to figure this out and to get something happening. But it's happened and they finally acted. And, you know, I, I think that as long as you've got your vaccination record at the ready and you're wearing a mask, you will be fine. And I think we'll be able to see full arenas in, at SaskTel Centre and everywhere else in Saskatchewan is, is my expectation.
6: One more before I let you go, I have to ask you about Brennan Sonny, uh, as uh, you know. we started talking about this, the crossovers between the Oil Kings and the Blades, and uh, <laughs> we got another one here, former Everett Silvertip, former Red Deer Rebel, and yes, a former Edmonton Oil King, also a former Hong Kong Tycoon, as I look at his uh, <laughs> track record here on uh, Elite Prospect what is uh what's he been like so far i mean we're not even into the regular season yet but the very little bit that i remember of him as an oil king just seemed like a real character guy seemed like he was sort of a an, a leader in the dressing room it was his 20-year old season so maybe that just comes naturally but it didn't shock me that this is a guy who turned to being a coach
7: yeah absolutely he's been the last 4 years coaching in france i think he's learned a lot of lessons well he learned obviously lessons well from being an assistant coach in Everett under Kevin Constantine. And there's that connection again, more so than the Oil King connection in the coaching situation, Mitch Love being a disciple of uh, Kevin Constantine. Right. Brendan Sonny would fall under that as well. Brendan's not nearly as intense as Mitch Love is. Uh, he, what he will be, though, is very honest from what I can tell. I mean, he opened up after the Saturday exhibition loss against the Oil Kings. And while some people would go, well, it's only exhibition, who cares? Well, but he's seeing things. It's all about habits. And that's a similar thing with Constantine, with Mitch Love, is your habits on a day-to-day basis, whether it be playing a, you know, an intrasquad squad game, whether it be an exhibition game, regular season, whether you're working out, whatever the case may be, your habits have to be right. And if your habit is of being ready to start on time is not there as it wasn't in either game, this past weekend against the oil Kings, then you're going to you know, be called out for it. And you're going to hear about it in the media, in the public yeah, I, as well. And Brendan Sani basically laid it online after the game on Saturday. I expect our guys to be ready to go from the beginning and they weren't done either game. And that's going to be something that has to be worked on. So I'm looking forward to it. He's, he's refreshing thus far with his honesty and his, and his willingness to get his point across his message across through the media, as well as it is, through the dressing room.
6: Les, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the Blades when they roll through Edmonton again because uh, that means we get to uh, spend a little time before or inter- during intermissions or something like that and catching up in person.
7: That'll be great. Absolutely. I look forward to that too, Gee. I look forward to seeing them. I'm, I'm glad to see that your internet's working again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the listeners might not
6: know, but the last two days has been an absolute headache in my house.
7: Well, it hasn't been great in my house either. That's why we ended up changing uh, cable providers. So, <laughs> uh, well, it, it, it must be speaking of speaking of pandemics. There's an epidemic going on around as well as <laughs> somebody's somebody's screwing around with our internet. Yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> I,
6: I I'm having a hard time working from home to do uh, interviews for my little podcast. Yeah. My wife is a college instructor working from home. It's a little bit more impactful for her. And I have a 16 yeah. year old son who suddenly can't game with his buddies. So you know that's that's. That just sends it over the, the
7: over the top. Dad, you're third place in those situations. <laughs> exactly. Les, <laughs> thanks
6: for doing this, my friend. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Not
7: a problem, gee. For sure.
6: One of the best in the league. That's Les Lazarek, the voice of the Saskatoon Blades. And, uh, man, dropping some uh, info bombs, some potential scoops. Not only Tristan Robbins, realistically, the hope is that he's back in Saskatoon. But could you imagine... Brad Lambert, wow, that would be absolutely massive for the Blades to get him in his draft year when he's considered to be, you know, almost a lock to be a top five, maybe top three pick in the draft this year. That would be absolutely massive. Well, we'll see if it happens or not, whether it's in October or after the World Junior, if it happens at all. That's definitely something to, to watch for and reason for the Blades and Blades faithful To be hopeful about this season We've got two more stops In the East Division And uh, next up, James Gallo The voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors That's also a team Who's very much going to be in play this year Let's find out why Next, here on the Pipeline Show Presented by Wilhock Beef Jerky It's Alberta's best beef jerky James Gallo's up next
0: Minnesota
7: selects as the first pick In the 1988 entry draft From Prince Albert, Mike Medano Hey, this is former Prince Albert Raider, Mike Medano, and you're listening to the
2: Pipeline Show.
0: Go Raiders go! Go Raiders go! The green, white, and gold theme is Go Raiders go! We take on the and welcome the tauckus, but the song in Prince Albert is Go Raiders go!
8: Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today.
0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Oh, my.
6: Back on The Pipeline Show, we've been going through the East Division uh, this week, and uh, we've got two more stops to make. Next up is Moose Jaw. Of course, The Pipeline Show brought to you by our title sponsor. That is Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. You don't have to be here, though. If you're in Western Canada, you can contact either location in Spruce Grove or Leduc, Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you, and it is well worth the effort. That's wilhockbeefjerky.com. My next stop is in Moose Jaw, and that means James Gallo, one of the top broadcasters in the league back on the Pipeline show. James, welcome back. How are things? It's good, gee. You know what? How about some moose jerky? That would be fantastic this hockey season, oh, hey? I, I you know, I've never had that. That would be fantastic. Though.
5: <laughs> Why not? Yeah, it's it's great. I'm I'm excited. It's uh you know, I know there's a lot going on in the world, and I think right now we have to focus on some things that make us happy, and I think uh, you're like me, and, and, and the Western Hockey League makes us happy, so yeah. I think I'm, I'm glad to talk and focus in on that, so that's fantastic.
6: Yeah, a little distraction from reality would be nice for a while. So Exactly. All right, exactly. well, let's get to this team, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun year for Moose Jaw and for their fans, but let's start by looking back at the players who aren't returning from what we saw down in the hub in Regina. Uh, three forwards, obviously, aging out in Riley Crane, Tate Popple, and Brad Janelle. Is anybody else, whether it's by trade or every year across the league, there's a handful of players who just decide to, that their passion's not there anymore. Uh, what's the situation like for, for Moose Jaw in terms of returning, guys not returning?
5: Yeah, there's always changes uh, in the roster. I think uh, you start in goal, t- in goal, Boston below us, uh, no longer with the organization. I believe going to the Estevan Bruins in the SGHL. Uh, as is uh, defenseman, Nolan Jones. He's an Estevan this year. And, you know, right before training camp started, Corey King, 19 year old defenseman was traded to the Seattle Thunderbirds. So those are probably be uh, the most significant changes or or the most notable changes in terms of who's not here anymore. But uh, yeah, I mean, it it happens year after year, you know, guys just kind of go in different directions. The organization wants to go in a different direction. Largely, uh, it's probably because some younger guys have, have shown well throughout the course of you know training camp or even through summer hockey, I guess, is the way it was.
6: Well, and there's a number of young players that I'm sure we'll get to here in a second. Let's start in net, though. And interesting to see uh, Carl Tetechuk, a former Lethbridge Hurricane, in camp right now and uh, on the roster for the, uh, the Moose Jaw Warriors. But there's a couple others involved in the mix there, too. How do things uh, look, in your opinion, uh, between the pipes for Moose Jaw?
5: Actually, interesting to know, Carl Tedichuk, his first, I believe his first training camp was with the Mooshow Warriors. He uh-huh. was listed by the organization and then uh, just had a log jam in net. Unfortunately, uh, Carl was was let go. Lethbridge snapped him up. He had, a, I thought, a great career with the Hurricanes. And, you know, the Warriors wanted to address that. They feel that, that you know, Carl is a uh, is a bona fide Western Hockey League goaltender. And I think he supplies some stability in net. I think that's something they're looking forward to having. Uh you know, he'll be fighting it out, I think, though, with Brett Merwell. Brett was, was, I thought, pretty good for the Warriors in the hub. He played in, what, 16 games uh, last year in the hub for, for a 17-year-old rookie. I believe that was most by a 17-year-old last season. Uh, so, you know, Brett from Saskatoon, good goaltender, athletic, uh, you know, very... Uh, uh, you know, he, he just goes in the net. He, he's great to watch, a very driven individual. And right now, carrying three goaltenders Jackson Unger is the 16 year old, uh, third round pick in 2020 for the Warriors. Looks really good in his only preseason start so far. But, you know, carrying three right now, I would expect getting down to two. When that happens, I'm not too sure. And I think, you know, maybe uh, the young 16-year-old might be the odd man out. But, again, not 100% on that. You'd have to ask guys with, with bigger offices than mine.
6: <laughs> All right, we'll do that. Uh, interesting to note, Tedichek, one of only two 20-year-olds, I believe, in camp right now for Moose Jaw. So they've got lots of flexibility moving forward as well. Is yes. that Did I get that right, only the two? Just
5: the two, Logan Douse, uh, the twenty-year-old forward. Uh, the only, the only other twenty-year-old in the lineup. So as you said, there's a lot of flexibility for the Warriors and, and for General Manager Jason are moving down the road.
6: Perfect, because you know some teams are going to have tough decisions to make uh, elsewhere in the league, and Moose Jaw's just there, salivating, ready to pounce. All right, uh, <laughs> let's go to the blue line, and uh, this, this to me is really interesting. You got the the veteran Damon Hunt, uh, drafted NHL draft pick of the Minnesota uh, Wild. And then you've got the young guy at the other end of the, of the age spectrum, but he's a first round pick as well from 2019, uh, 11th overall. And I'm going to butcher the name because uh, I haven't been around the league uh, long enough uh, for so long <laughs> now. But it, is it Denton Matejuk
5: or Denton Matechuk. All right. You're exactly right. Minion City, Manitoba. And, and you know what, gee, I think for me, um, the defense for the Warriors may be their most visible strength. And, you know, obviously you talk about the anchor, that being 19 year old Damon Hunt, third rounder signed to the Minnesota by the Minnesota Wild. But then you look at Cole Jordan, Mm -hmm. draft choice, the Calgary Flames, Max Warner, draft choice, the Edmonton Oilers, uh, Denton Matejcik, who you mentioned, the 17 year old who is impressive to watch, in, in my opinion. And then, you know, add to that Lucas Brenton and, you know, Lucas in the hub. Got a lot of looks from NHL scouts. They like what they saw, but maybe just didn't see enough of them to select them. But watching him in training camp and preseason games, he, along with Max Warner, they're six, three and six, four, a lot of size Mm -hmm. and can be very hard to play against. So I think the Warriors feel with those as their top five, that is a lot of stability, and, and that's what they want to see on their back end. You know, right now, who's going to be you know six, seven, and maybe even eight if they carry that many? I think only time will tell. You know, you look at Braden Miller, nineteen-year-old from Sherwood Park, Alberta, has been with the Warriors now for two and a half seasons. He's got a good running on that. Uh, Matthew Gallant, who's an interesting story listed player uh, from out west, um, came into camp again. You know, didn't play a lot last year because of because of the COVID nineteen pandemic, but really good committed to the Warriors you know smooth skating guy makes a smart first pass his dad Kevin actually a former Regina Pat broadcaster who's from Moose Jaw wow. so you know that that's an interesting storyline and then Matt Smith is the other man right now trying to vie to make the Warriors roster on the back end and some of the Edmonton Oil King fans might be familiar with Matt he was a former third round pick of the Oil Kings let yep. go and the Warriors picked him up and, and he's been having a, you know, a good try through uh, through training camp and through preseason. So, you know, you start with that top five and I think that's where the Warriors start. I think that's where their, their, their strength could be is in that top five. And then you have six, seven again, potentially eight, but uh, I think the defense could be very good for the Warriors.
6: this here, uh, you know, stingy, skilled, uh, big might be a
5: way to describe them.
6: I'm going to go back to uh, Damon Hunt for a minute. I want to ask you how important the, the short, the hub season was for him. Maybe even just from a mental perspective, as much as the the, the physical and, and uh, hockey development wise. But coming off a season when he was drafted, but missed so much time due to injury, I have to think it's got to have been really beneficial for him just to get out, play a full, you know, 23 game quote unquote season and be productive. 18 points. I think uh, is it fair to say that you know that experience in in the hub for him hockey wise and off the ice probably a really beneficial thing.
5: I think beneficial for everybody. I mean, boy, you talk about that injury. Whoa, that happened in Edmonton and yeah. it was it was nasty and it was not pretty. I, I saw the after effects and some of the pictures. It was, whoo, it is the stuff that nightmares are made of. But you know, I think for Damon. You know, it's a good point that you make. I mean, obviously he suffers the injury and then you go, he, he returns to the Warriors and you go into the pandemic. And I think Damon was really, you know, although you want to play as long as you can with your club team, you know, there, the there is the opportunity to represent your country at the world under AT championships. And Damon didn't have that opportunity when mm-hmm. in his draft year, right? Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, if he plays, maybe he moves up around in the draft. We don't know. Right. And then he has to rely on other avenues to try and, you know, help his draft stock, and, and he gets selected by Minnesota in the third round, which is great. He plays some American Hockey League games for him as well uh, before joining the Warriors. But when you get into the hub, for me, it was about with, with Damon, I, I think you're right. It was an opportunity to show why he's that good. And Damon posted, you know, career highs with eight goals and 18 points in 23 games, and he gave them stability. You know, when Damon isn't in the lineup, you, you really see the struggles. And we saw that two years ago. When he was in the lineup in the hub and being the leader on the back end, you see how this team can be successful. He's gonna be leaned on to play hard minutes and and he's up to the task. And and this is a young man that I think You know, he he excels when he's challenged. And I think this year in his second year as the captain of the Warriors, he'll be challenged to, again, be the leader on the back end. Because I think, you know, this team can go as far as Damon Hunt can take it. And I think he's he's a tremendous leader, you know, so they get the guys going. Maybe not the rah-rah guy. He's a leader by example. And he's a calm guy, too. That's one thing I like about Damon. It it takes a lot to get him rattled. And I think in today's age, that's important. And, uh, you know, the hub was a good opportunity for him to – and get to know some more of the kids, you know, to, to try and maybe, you know, get Max Warner and Lucas Brenton and show them what it's like to play in the Western Hockey League. How do you be successful in the Western Hockey League? And and Damon's a good leader. I think that's where he really showed it was in the hub.
6: James Gallo is the voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors, my guest here on the Pipeline Show, joining me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline as we preview the upcoming season. Uh, let's shift gears and head up front. And it's sort of similar. You got some high profile names up front and then you got those young guys who are really coming up uh, on the uh, younger side of the scale. But this is a really interesting mix too. Where do you start? Like who are the go-to offensive guys now for Moose Joe?
5: Yeah, you know, I think uh, the hub gave us a glimpse and and that's what I think Warrior fans, they would have loved to see seen in person. Hopefully they watched online. You saw a glimpse, obviously. You know, there's names that stick out. Ryder Korzak, obviously, the third-rounder of the New York Rangers, you know, 16 points in 17 games, you know, fought through an injury while he was, while he was in a hub. Eric Alry, 10 goals, 20 points in 19 games for the Warriors. Another guy, Cade Hayes, has the opportunity, you know, to, to put the puck in the net. But there's a lot of potential here. And there's a, and, and, you know, you start with the imports for me, Robert Bacco, he's, he's already in Moose Jaw, three preseason games, three goals, you know, he's big. He kind of says he plays like Tom Wilson. He says he plays like Tom Wilson, but not Tom Wilson. You know what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> you hope maybe a responsible Tom Wilson, you never know. But if he plays with that edge and doesn't teeter over, that's great to have. Cause you don't see that a lot with with import players martin rasabi he's a draft choice of the columbus blue jackets expected you know to be with the warriors hopefully when the season starts again big can play a little bit of that nasty game has a great shot um you know we'll we'll see what he's like when he gets here and i think you know what everybody's excited to see is probably you know that little dynamic duo they have of the the 16 and 17 year old brayden jagger who was the third overall pick in 2020? Um, you know, an outstanding player. This this young man has a pretty bright future ahead of him. You know, he's he's responsible. He's smart. He's skilled. He's powerful. He plays a 200 foot game. And he's just 16 years old. And he was, again, fantastic in the hub. 18 points in 24 games as a 15-year-old. And his running mate is pretty good, too. And that's Jagger Furkus from Irma, Alberta. Um, you know, fourth-round pick by the Warriors a couple of years ago. Maybe doesn't have the press of the Jaggers and the Bedards and the Heights. But this guy, has. he's, he's got some sneaky skill. He's, uh, he's got some grease to his game. And he, he's a hockey player, right? He's missing a tooth. Uh, He's not scared to go into the corners. He's not scared to go in front of the net. And and he's not scared to be creative. And that's one thing I like. Jagger Furkus is a person that I think a lot of people outside of Musha may not be familiar with. But by midseason, they will be. Because this young man has the potential to be a a breakout star in the Western Hockey League.
6: Well, you got Jagger and Jagger, and they play on the same line? (laughs) Yes, they do, actually. Who's the third wheel? You know what? Uh, we'll see what happens. The last year,
5: they had Riley Crane, the 20-year-old in the hub. Uh, that's who was running shotgun with them. Um, you know, we've seen Kate Hayes on that line uh, throughout the course of the preseason. We'll see who else kind of runs on there. But, you know, again, when you think back to the hub, I mean, uh, the most creative, I think, in my opinion, forwards the Warriors had were 16 and 15 years old in Ferkus and Jaeger. So, I mean, that's where... These guys, the, the sky's the limit. And, you know, they're they're surrounded by some good players. We'll see if they put some size there. Maybe they put Martin Rasavi in play along the wing, right? Open up some holes. Who knows? But, you know, it, it could be fun. I think these two guys, you know, could, could you know, turn a lot of heads this year in the Western
6: Hockey League. Somebody's got to have a nickname, though. If it's Martin Rasavi, is it going to be, you know, or Jagger, Yagger, and Rasagger or something like that? Or you got to get, <laughs> get creative with well, those. Well, you
5: know, I. I just think, you know, I think Meister would be a great sponsor for, for Braden Jagger. Right. Cause we Love could it. say Jagger bombs at mosaic place. Right. Who knows? Right. Jagger bombs for those who are legally able to have them. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, it, they're there. And you know what, the one thing you saw in the hub and again, the hub was an interesting experience, but being in the hub, the one thing I saw was, was guys, um, creating that chemistry. And, and you saw that with Jagger and Braden, yeah. right. you know, on the ice and off the ice, you know, you'd be walking towards the, the cooperator center, which is where, you know, the team would have to practice and they're walking together every time they're talking hockey. And that's the thing. They're, they're, they're students of the game and, you know, they love watching hockey. They love playing hockey and, you know, they enjoy talking to each other about all that kind of stuff. And to me, that's, You know, again, that's where the hub was great because these two formed, I think, a bond and relationship that's going to go beyond the game, and we'll see what they do in the game this year, but, uh, you know, they they can have a lot of fun. It's going to be interesting to see.
6: Well, in the cyclical nature of junior hockey, I think it's fair to say the the Warriors are on the upswing of that cycle. Where do you think the the bar of success is set at this year? Is is making the playoffs good enough at this point, or does it need to be more than that?
5: Oh, you know, it's a great question. Um, you know, I think every coach and general manager will say that they want to hoist a trophy in, uh, in June, right? But I think, you know, for this team, w- which is still young and they have young players in impact positions, um, you know, I think you got to start by making the playoffs and we'll see what happens from there. I think the East Division is going to be tight and I think it's going to be, uh, Interesting to watch. There's a lot of really talented young players in this division, mm-hmm. and I think making the playoffs is not going to be an easy task. So we'll see how it shapes out. But I think you know the first goal for this organization is is to make the playoffs again and and to be back in the postseason and, and see where the chips lie because you know. Probably, you know, you miss in in 1920 if the standings were, if there was playoffs last year in the hub, you missed the playoffs just narrowly. But, you know, I think this team is hungry to get back there. And to me, it starts right there and you see what happens.
6: A change upstairs as well. Alan Miller's moved on. Jason Ripplinger, the the general manager. Do do you you notice any difference or is it way too early to tell? Should we notice, uh, should we expect any big difference uh, that we notice?
5: Are you talking about like like philosophy or in the organization? yeah. Um, You know what? I'm not too sure. Um, You know, too early to tell. I mean, Jason spent, you know, five years as the assistant general manager uh, working with Alan Miller. I think you're going to see a lot of Alan's influence on the decisions or how Jason makes the decisions that he makes. Um, You know, uh, Jason has spoken very highly of the influence uh, of Alan Miller and, mm-hmm. and what he's uh, what he's had on his career. So you might see a little bit of Alan, but You know, I think as as time goes by, um, you know, I think Jason wants to put his stamp on this organization. Uh, How that is, uh, again, only Tom will tell. But, you know, it is interesting. I mean, it's a very young duo. when the Warriors... You know, uh, two years ago, they, they, you know, parted ways with head coach Tim Hunter. They hired from within and, and named then associate coach Mark O'Leary as the new head coach. And then, you know, when Alan Miller moved on to Hockey Canada, they, the board had named general manager uh, Jason Ripplinger. And I think they like the fact that in the two high profile positions that this organization has had come open in the last two years, they hired from within and they were happy to do that. I think that shows well to what has been going on here in Moose Jaw. and uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun I like it, it's it's a young team I, I like to see the dynamics right how you like to see how the young team grows with their head coach but it's interesting interesting to see how the young head coach develops his relationship with I mean what is a young general manager and, and to me it's it's going to be interesting to see how everybody kind of grows together and if you succeed as you're growing together it can mean for some very fun times in the friendly city.
6: James, uh, I've been ch- chatting with uh, you know all the counter your counterparts around the league, so getting a different feel for what's what the situation is like in the U.S. and of course uh, in BC and Alberta, it's probably different for you guys in Saskatchewan. For the benefit of the fans that want to come to the rink and watch the Warriors play, because it's going to be a fun season, I think. What do they need? They need to know in advance uh, so they're prepared for you know whatever protocols are in place and things like that.
5: Uh, as of right now it's it's the same in moose jaw that it is in uh, in every rink in Saskatchewan we currently have a mask mandate in place and as of october 1st uh, there'll be a mask mandate and proof of a double vaccination or a negative covid test within 72 hours of uh, of going to a game so uh, those are brand new probably about a week old not even um how long they last i'm not too sure again that's yeah. for for guys with bigger paychecks than mine but um, yeah, I mean, those are kind of the it's the world we're living in Guy right now uh, you know, again, I think uh, everybody's got to make their decision on what they want to do everybody's decision uh, is, I'm not going to say anybody's right, anybody's wrong but uh, in the same sense too I will happily put my mask on to go to the rink because, again uh, being in the hub, it was unique it was great, but to watch Braden Yeager and Connor Bedard go toe-to-toe for four games in the hub, we needed fans. Hmm. It, those games were just too fun. Warriors and Pats is is like Oil Kings and Hitmen. You need fans to fully appreciate those games, and I am so excited that fans are going to be in the building to watch their hockey team, to watch other hockey teams. I'm so looking forward to it. I just hope um we go in the right path that uh, we continue to keep fans in the hockey rink.
6: I'm with you, man. And I'm looking forward to seeing the Warriors when uh, when you guys come to Edmonton because uh, there's lots of young talent on there that I haven't been able to watch with my own eyes yet. So I'm really looking forward to that. And looking forward to seeing you again, James. Thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate your time. Anytime, Geanigan. Hey, thanks
5: for all the coverage you do. Like I've told you before, and I'll say it again, uh, you do an amazing job uh, for Major Junior Hockey covering the Western Hockey League here in our territory. So thank you again for all the coverage and promotion of our league.
6: I appreciate that, man. We'll talk soon. Anytime. What a nice guy. James Gallo, the voice of the Moosejaw Warriors as that team off to a 3-0 start here in the preseason. I think they're going to be a team that's, I said this about Red Deer last week, sneaky good. I think Moosejaw is going to be like that too, where might get overlooked by the preseason prognosticators a bit. There's some talent there. I think they're going to be sneaky good. You know, I might pick them third, fourth. I think they're a playoff team. Put it that way. Another club I think is a playoff team, the Brandon Weekings, Kings. And we'll find out why next. Brandon Crow, the broadcast play caller for those Brandon Weekings, Kings, he's going to let us know his thoughts about uh, the way they look in camp right now. That's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky.
0: Broken up and then taken by Prop, threw into the zone, he's on a breakaway. Look out, short-handed, draw! Three short-handed goals and a hat-trick for Brian
8: Prop. Holy cow, welcome to Wired Hockey
0: on this Sunday. Hi, this is Brian Prop, former Brandon Wheat King, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
3: talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris
0: wow, what a goal. and
3: Duncan Keith Score! and future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a
0: fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life.
6: Last segment to go on this week's episode as we preview the WHL's East Division, and uh, we're going to head to Brandon momentarily. A reminder, The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, and uh, they are the title sponsor here on the program. And as I've been telling everybody for a few months now, if you're in Western Canada it's the only way you can get it is to contact either location in Leduc or in Spruce Grove, Alberta. You're obviously not going to make the drive if you're listening to this from Brandon, but they can ship it to you anywhere, any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. Just get in contact with them, WilhawkBeefJerky.com. My guest is the voice of the Brandon Weekings, and that is Brandon Crow. Welcome back to the program, Brandon. How are things in uh, in uh, Brandon, Manitoba? <laughs>
3: Yeah, isn't it funny? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I could work for any other team. I just got a name that fits yeah. here. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe if the new guy in Prince Albert was named Albert or something, it would be close. But right. uh, no, things things are good. They're coming along. Uh, I, I'm probably, I'm honestly, I'm probably the only Western Hockey League, if not the only Canadian Hockey League broadcaster, who spent the time delaying this interview with you because I had to <laughs> haul home some hay bales for my sheep at my farm to feed them for the winter. <laughs> well, Probably I, the only guy that'll ever delay an interview for that.
6: I can tell you Brad Curl last week couldn't join me to do the Hitman one, so I got the head uh, or general manager, Jeff Schnouth because he's in Saskatchewan working on a farm right now with his brother. So, hey, there, you got that in common, kind of. There's some, something about the Western Hockey
3: League, guys. They really put the We really put the Western in the Western Hockey League. Yes. But, uh, no, it's awesome. Being at the rink, uh, you know, in, in the last couple of weeks through training camp and and bit of the preseason, it, it's it feels normal. And, and realistically, uh, all expectations aside, feeling normal in the arena is a good thing right now.
6: All right. Well, let's get to this uh, preview for the week Kings coming up for this season. We'll start reflecting uh, on the non-returning players from what we saw in the uh, hub in Regina. Uh, the three overage guys that were there that aren't back obviously, because uh, they've aged out now. Lyndon McCallum, Marcus Sekundiak, and Reed Purpuluk. Um, Anybody else, whether it's by trade or maybe you've just decided to, to move on from hockey or something like that, guys who are in Regina for the Weekings that aren't back now? Well, the two
3: big ones uh, are definitely Braden Schneider and, and Ben McCartney. Now, both of them have, have turned pro. Schneider uh, is very uh, in contention to crack the New York Rangers' full-time squad. Um, once uh, they get going here, he's made the main camp roster and they've got high hopes for him, obviously a first round pick. And then uh, Ben McCartney, who was, in my mind, a steal for the Arizona Coyotes in the seventh round, um, he had an excellent hub, led the Wheat Kings uh, you know, in scoring. He was just uh, just a man among boys at times. And then he finished up the hub, went down and played in Tucson in the American League for uh, the Coyotes uh, system and, and had a great showing there and I believe about a half dozen games for, for the Roadrunners in Tucson. So uh, he's down not likely to return either. I, I think if, if you were to, to bet on any of them coming back, you'd want to put your money on Ben McCartney, but I wouldn't be putting too much money on it because both of them have really uh, come a long way. So when you look at the Weeking roster, those are two pretty big holes to fill.
6: Yeah.
3: Um, you know When you consider Lynn McCallum was, was the leading goal scorer uh, for Brandon in the hub, uh, 21 goals in, in 24 games. He's down in Vegas at their camp right now, trying to get him sh- a shot at uh, you know a pro deal. Um, And then you you lose Ben McCartney, who was right there in scoring, and then Braden Schneider, who was your captain and your top defenseman and arguably the best player, uh, best defenseman in the hub. Uh, Obviously, the best player, Peyton Krebs. It'd be hard to argue anyone better than him. But, uh, you know, losing Schneider and McCartney, that's two big holes the Weekings are going to have to fill.
6: All right. Well, and yet when I talk to people and just kind of I pulled the audience this week and who's going to be the top team in the division, a lot of people say it's still Brandon, yet despite – all those key losses, there's a reason why, though, and maybe let's start going through the roster. Uh, and uh, in net, I think he, a lot of people would make the, the argument that Ethan Kruger might be the top goalie in the division, uh, and he is back as the clear bonafide starter of this club, is he not?
3: Yes, number one um, by far. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think his play um, you know, with Yuri Patera in the backup role and then coming into the hub, you know the, the staff basically said, here's, here's your runway. Uh, take it, uh, and it's yours, and he really did. I mean, 16 wins in the hub were his. Uh, the Wheat Kings felt that it was time to move on from Connor Unger, who was really pressing for a contention, but he was getting up there in age, and, and he's going to get a great opportunity after going to Calgary camp out in Red Deer with the Rebels. So uh, Brandon's going real young in the backup spot right now. There's two 16-year-olds here. Uh, battling for the backup spot uh, and a 17 year old. So, um, you know, Ethan Kruger's is the number one. But uh, he got noticed today, and we got word today uh, on this Wednesday that we're doing this interview. Uh, Kruger's actually being held over at Edmonton Oilers main camp due to the uh, injury to a couple of Oilers goaltenders. So, uh, whether Kruger's here or not for starting the season next Friday is now kind of up in the air. So, uh, as, as much as it hurts the Weekings, it's good for Ethan Kruger to be sticking around at Oilers camp. So, uh yeah he's definitely the number one guy and really looking forward to seeing what he can do here this year in his over eight year
6: all right is there a, a you mentioned some youth there battling for that backup spot is there a clear favor at this point or is that still just to be determined they'll they'll figure it out themselves but uh where are you at now with that yeah i think it's kind
3: of up in the air i mean i i as a former goalie i always like to take uh special interest in the goaltenders, but. You know, in all honesty, Gee, I haven't really had much time to pay a whole lot of attention at practice. We're trying to get the arena ready and get things going for the season, so I've kind of just been popping my head in and out. We've seen the one preseason game. Uh you got Nick Jones, who's the seventeen year old who was a draft pick signed. Uh he's uh out from out in Calgary. But the problem with these young guys, and the other one's Carson Bjarnson, sixteen-year-old listed kid from Carberry, who uh grew like nine inches between when he was listed and now he's like six <laughs> foot three, pushing six foot four. Uh, which is unbelievable, uh, his development. You look at his pictures from Bantam and you don't even think it's the same guy, but yeah. um, these guys haven't played at all when you look back at last year because they only got three, four, maybe five games in, so they're young guys that have missed a lot of hockey, so it's real tough for me to see either one of them being a backup because if you're Brandon and they're both signed guys, you want them to play a lot of hockey and get their reps back and get back out the rhythm, so you know, if I, if I had, you know, my armchair GM thing on, maybe Brandon goes and gets maybe a little experience, maybe an 18-year-old or something, um, in order to get those guys reps at the U18 midget level or, or junior A level even, I'm not sure. But uh, it's an interesting battle. There's lots of competition, and uh, certainly uh, it's a good problem to have.
6: Brandon Crow is the voice of the Brandon Wheat Kings, joining me here courtesy of the Troubled Monk Hotline as we preview the upcoming season uh, for the Wheaties. Uh, let's go to the uh, blue line Uh, Now, with Schneider gone, who becomes that de facto uh, leader on the back end?
3: Well, I think that's part of, you know, Brandon's uh, key depth right now is the fact that, you know, two 20-year-olds on the back end right now in Chad Nyacek and Nathan Salemi are kind of the the key cogs on the back end in in terms of age and experience. But, you know, one of those guys may have to be the odd man out because Mm. you've got Ethan Krueger, those two guys, and then Marcus Kelly and Kelly is likely going to be coming back from the American Hockey League's Henderson Silver Knights. So now you've got a bit of a 20-year-old situation. But to me, the de facto replacement for Braden Schneider is automatically put onto the shoulders of Vinny Iorio, 55th overall to Washington. He came into camp. I I don't exactly know the number, but he's significantly heavier than he was uh, in the hub. Uh, He's just bigger, stronger, just built more like a man. He's grown up. He's matured a lot. And, um, you know, he's had a great start to camp in Washington. They really love him. And uh, to me, he's kind of the guy to slide in and take over that number one spot on the back end. Brandon's got some good young talent on the back end. Lots of local talent as well. Guys from around rural Manitoba, which always seem to kind of work out for the Weekings. And, um, you know, you got Logan Hammett, who stepped in, and, and former captain of the Regina Pat played in the hub last year. Um, you know, Jacob Hoffrock, he, uh, a transplant American uh, via Saskatoon um he was going to step into his rookie year as well so uh brandon's got a lot of depth on d right now and uh you know a bit of a 20 year old log ham as well but to me vinny iorio he's the guy uh, moving
1: forward
6: i i like mason ward when i saw him with uh, the red deer rebels he's he's the biggest guy on brandon's back end now at six five and 215 how's he fit in so far you know and he's been he's been real good and that's you know i kind of i almost forget about him not in a bad way but
3: you kind of forget because he is an acquired guy that nobody's seen in a Week king sweater yet. So far, he came into camp, was here for a little while, then he went off to Detroit to Red Wings camp, and uh, by all accounts, he's made main camp for the Red Wings. So we may not see him till later next week either. So, but to me, he's very quiet. Um, you know, he's not he's not a big, you know, um, kind of obnoxious six five D man. He's kind of the stay at home steady Eddie, does the little things off the glass and out. Um, just a, a steady presence back there, but when you look at the size of Wiking's uh, defense core on paper, I mean, there's lots of sixes in there, and that's uh, yeah. that's a good sign. It's not quite like you know the 1970 New Westminster Bruins, but um, it's it's a lot of size, and that's something that doesn't grow on trees. Uh, it's hard to find these days. So he's a guy I think's really going to solidify some veteran experience. I mean, comes from good bloodlines. His dad was a 10-year NHLer with uh, you know Florida and Anaheim and. Um, and certainly uh, looking for a fresh start, he's going to be a, a key cog as well.
6: Okay, when we go up front, you mentioned Marcus, Kelly, and Keeley uh, uh, probably coming back. You said to the uh, to the Weekings this year, is he signed by uh, Vegas? Yeah, so he signed um, with Vegas
3: uh, prior to arriving in Brandon for his first year in Brandon. Now, he came to Brandon, only played in 20 games after being drafted in the import draft, but he had a ton of injury problems. He had, a, a, I believe it was a hernia that he was dealing with. And then he had a bit of an ankle issue that he needed surgery on. And um, he was struggling in Brandon to stay healthy and by no fault of anyone's other than just poor circumstances, really, and bad luck. Uh, So Vegas said, you know what? He's one of our guys. He's a signed guy. We're going to take him. We're going to take him and give him the treatment that that we think he should get down here. He wasn't able to get back on the ice in time. Then the hub happens. They decide they're going to, you know, we're going to keep him here. We're going to let him develop at the American League level. He got into about, eight or nine games, I think, down there with Henderson. Um, you know, I've picked up a couple of points along the way. He's been practicing with the pros, um, and in talks with guy, you know, Yuri Patera, we had him on our team podcast a while back. He said, Marcus is finally healthy and really pushing, but it's, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those things where in the conversations I've had, you know, with Kelly McCrimmon in the, in the summertime, just in passing, you know, having a coffee in the office, you know, it's kind of, he hasn't played much hockey, and yeah. in order to kind of earn that contract and earn an opportunity, he's got to play. Uh, and he's got to play a lot, and that's why I think Brandon's a perfect scenario for him. He's going to come in as a as a as a big, powerful man at 20 years old up front, and uh, an opportunity to really show that he is worthy of that NHL contract. So, looking forward to getting him back. Uh, unfortunately, that's going to create that 20-year-old logjam, and he is a two spotter as well. Yeah, as exactly. So um, that 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 poses a bit of a challenge. But to me, if he's up there with you know Nolan Ritchie and Ridley Gregg on the top line all of a sudden now you got a real bona fide uh, first, first line for Brandon uh, of, of older guys with experience.
6: Yeah, I can't think of the last assigned European overage player uh, that's been in the league. I, off the top of my head, I can't think of one.
3: Well, and that's why his injuries actually help Brandon in this case. For because sure. like Much much like those young goalies that haven't played, neither is he. And for Vegas' sake, is it better to have him come play 68 games in Brandon and play 20 minutes a night, 18-20 minutes a night, or play in the American League at Twelve minutes a night on the third, fourth line and being another lineup, right? Yeah. So I think Brandon's a great spot for him to develop.
6: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And then uh, we go to the the rest of the lineup and not to breeze by them, but you mentioned Ridley, Gregg and Nolan Ritchie, and these are two guys poised to have major seasons this year uh, as uh, being on that top line for Brandon. What you saw from them in the hub. I mean, what can you project for them this year? I'm not asking about numbers and stuff, but they're probably just still scratching the surface of what they can do.
3: I think so. And Ridley Greg is he is the real deal. And i I don't want to I don't want to be that guy that sounds like a homer, but I would I would argue that Ridley Gregg will be one of the top offensive players kind of in that MVP discussion this year, at least in the Eastern Conference. I don't know much about the West other than you know what you read in the papers, and, and you don't see them very often, but. To me, Ridley Gregg is kind of the Peyton Krebs of last year. He can take over a game by himself. He, we saw it in the hub. Uh, him and Krebs were unbelievable battles to, to, to come away as the number one guy in the hub. He can do it all. Uh, he's tough. He's mean. Uh, he's actually been suspended uh, and thrown out of the last two season openers. <laughs> so we go back two years. The home opener, he got thrown out 41 seconds in for a high hit. And then last year in the hub, I think it was a minute, 15 seconds in. uh, He got thrown out for a check from behind. So we'll see if he can actually make it through a full home opener this year if he goes for the three-peat. But uh, he's a guy that also spent time in the American League after the Hub last year. He scored a couple of goals uh, in Belleville for the Senators. The Sens, uh, they love him uh, in their organization. So uh, what he can do this year in Brandon, to me, the sky's the limit. And Nolan Ritchie's another guy. He got hurt the last time Brandon had a full season. He broke his femur right as he was finding his stride. I mean, he was a 90-point guy in midget and was just finding his stride, just on the power play, breaks his leg, misses all that time, comes into the hub and is one of arguably the most consistent players in the hub. So those guys with a full season, uh, full complement of bodies around them, they should be, uh, you know, real... Uh, punctual offensive guys for the weekings oh
6: man broken femur that's uh that's awful that that's a, an injury that's as bad as it sounds that's uh No, oh, uh, wish yeah. that on anyone uh Ridley Greg uh, opening night who are you playing on opening night uh we got Winnipeg which was the same as two years ago <laughs>
7: so, <laughs> all right uh we'll see if he can make
6: it we'll watch for that uh Jake Chasel is uh here uh, as a, an Edmonton Oiler now uh, drafted in the fourth round, uh, what can you tell Oiler fans about him? And of course, uh, what do you expect from him uh, in a, with another year under his belt? Well, he, to me, was,
3: if there was an award for most improved player um, from the season before to the hub, it definitely went to Jake on. But again, that's a young guy that just gets older and more mature. And with all that time off, you really notice it. And for me, and, and you, you'll know this too, that, that first radio conversation with a 15-year-old to his first radio interview at 17 you really notice you know the difference in in the voice the style the confidence everything and he really had it in the hub last year he was a confident player he was making plays to me that's where he's most valuable he's a playmaker he's he's smart he puts the puck in the right places and he can finish um you know he comes from a good bloodline like uh you know his uncle won a Stanley Cup with the Rangers back in 94 um, you know, he's, he's a guy that just loves to play hockey. And I think Oilers fans, he, he's going to be a guy that's going to take some time. He might not develop right away. But I think he's a guy that's going to have a long NHL career. Uh, maybe not be a star uh, by any means, but he's just going to be a guy that does the little things right and you want on your team. So he's another guy with the added experience of the NHL camp and getting into some NHL rookie games and maybe the odd preseason game here with the Oilers. He's going to have a ton of confidence coming back to Brandon.
6: Now, the, the reason I said that a lot of people think the Wheat Kings could be the top team in the division, certainly challenged for being in that position, is the depth. And, you know, there's a lot of 2004 and a couple 2005-born players here, and they're all high-end draft picks as well. Uh, First-round guys, three guys taken in the first round. Tell me a little bit about these young guys that I personally haven't had a chance to watch yet and what you can, what fans should expect from them this year. Well, you
3: touched on the depth, and to me the fact that Brandon had 10 guys away at NHL camps, um, that says a lot. I mean, uh, there's a lot of guys with NHL pedigree right now. If you count Schneider and McCartney, that's 12 players uh, from last year off the list, gone to NHL camps. Actually, if it wasn't for Richie and Riley Janelle being returned yesterday and today, Brandon would have only had eight forwards for tomorrow's preseason game. (laughs) So uh, there's so many guys away. Brandon almost can't even ice a full lineup uh, for the preseason, but you touch on those young guys. I mean, uh it's one of those things where you look at, at the high draft picks and, and sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. But for Brandon, Nate Danielson, Ty Zimmer, Rylan Rorsma, you know, those are all guys that are, are gonna be good long time NHLers. To me, Nate Danielson is is kind of the next crop. He's he reminds me a lot of Ridley Gregg. He's he's just a you know, a couple years behind. Um, you know, to me is kind of a, a smaller version kind of like Matt Calvert kills penalties, but has some skill and can score. And Zimmer to me is a guy that had all sorts of offense, uh, you know, in Bantam and midget kind of growing up, but just has to find his confidence here. He's got all the tools and it's just a matter of putting them all together at the same time. And it's scary to think Brandon's got three first round picks this year as well, coming yep. up in December. Uh, so at, at any point, realistically in the next year or two, Brandon could have six or more first round picks on the roster if they draft well and utilize those picks uh, to, you know, to the right extent. So uh, Brandon's deep. And I mean, you got a guy like Brett Highland who came to the hub as a rookie and had never really played in the Western hockey league other than a few call up games. And he earns an invite to LA Kings camp, not only to just development camp, but then to rookie camp. And now he's still there as we get set for main camp. So that's a guy who didn't play a lot of hockey and earned himself an NHL spot uh, through training camp. So, Uh, The depth is, to me, Brandon's biggest thing. And all of a sudden, let's say the Phoenix Coyotes or Arizona Coyotes say, you know what, Ben McCartney, maybe you're better off going to to Brandon to play. Then what? Does Brandon really become a buyer? Use a couple of those uh, first-round picks that are coming up this year to load up and go after a couple guys and really take a run at it? I don't know. But that, to me, seems like a, a real good problem to have.
6: No kidding, that is a great problem to have. And I know when whenever there's a trade, the, whenever the we Kings make a trade and they're adding picks, the, there are well, the, there's another team that traded with them, and there's twenty other teams in the league that are rolling their eyes and saying, "Quit giving Brandon picks." My God. <laughs> well, here's if you have
3: two seconds, uh, and I know we're on a, a, a pod, but I'm gonna pull up. Um, I'm gonna pull up a. A graphic here on my phone <laughs> and I'm gonna just for your knowledge and for the fans because I think they will appreciate it if we go back to to a couple of major Wee King trades now the first one we think of is the Braden Shen trade yeah um, that was one that just gutted Wee King fans and they couldn't understand it right and then of course you've got the Kale Clegg Tanner Caspic trade which again was very similar it just gutted Wee King fans you know those are heart and soul guys you can't believe you're going to get rid of okay so if you go side-by-side, side, those three trades, so out of the organization was Braden Shen, Tanner Kaspik, Cale Clegg, one player who went the NCAA route and a third-round pick. Okay, so that's who left in those three trades. Now, here's who's in. Uh, Logan Hammett, who signed and played. Uh, Owen Weese, who's a signed prospect. Jackson Dubey, who plays for the Kings currently, was in the hub. Liam Watkins, a signed prospect. Zach Turner, a signed prospect with the team now. One of those first-round picks next year, Johnny Lambos, who is a three-year guy, traded to Everett for another pick. Ty Thorpe, a three-year weak King, traded to Vancouver for another pick. Nate Danielson, who's here now. Luca Berzan, who is now playing pro. Chase Harchie, who is traded to Winnipeg, for Owen Harris, who's here now. Rylan Rorzma, one of those first-round picks. And Brett Hyland, who we just talked about, who's now at LA Kings camp. And two more first-round picks from next year. <laughs> That's so good. when you really break it down like that, it is unbelievable that three traits, three very heartbreaking traits for Weeking fans have turned into those players and prospects that make up the roster right now, including three picks to come. So it's uh, when you really break it down and look at it, it's scary how well those have turned out. Now, not every team can have that, and the Weekings have had some dead trades in the past two, but those ones have worked out really well.
6: All right, I've been asking every, all the other play-by-play guys around the league what the COVID situation is and for the benefit of fans, what the fans need to know before they get to the rink uh, so that they're prepared to and allowed to get into the building. What's the situation like right now in Brandon?
3: Uh, luckily, in comparison to the other provinces, knock on wood, Manitoba's in, in decent shape right now. Um, the rules are pretty simple. Uh, you have to be double-vaxxed um, and have proof of it um so whether it's you know a qr code from your respective province uh, digitally or a physical card or i know saskatchewan they've got um just kind of a, a doctor's note almost with the the needle dates uh and i think some of the other provinces are the same uh but yeah double vaxxed uh, they're checking at the door prior to actual entry into the facility um and you have to be masked at all times but at the keystone we are 100 percent full capacity so we're able to have 5,509 people in the building, but everyone has to wear a mask and everyone has to be double vaccinated. Now that's a provincial rule. That isn't a Wheat King rule or a Keystone rule. That's right from the government of Manitoba. And I can pretty much guarantee that that'll be the rule, probably at least until Christmas. So if you're coming to the Wheat King country here in the next month and taking a game, uh, you have to be vaccinated and make sure you got a mask in your pocket.
6: I know uh, you were telling me before we started that, that tomorrow's preseason game against the Winnipeg Ice it's like the first home game in what 18 19 months something like that are fans allowed in uh, for preseason or not yet
3: yeah so tomorrow is the first uh kind of ticketed game uh since March 7th uh of 2020 so um it's a long time on the calendar we we did have a rookie game uh, that fans were you know invited to and were allowed in we I mean we only had actually we had you know probably 500 which is pretty good for a rookie game but the excitement right now, uh, all of our season ticket holders, uh, you know, they are are beyond excited. The walk up, actually, this morning, I walked out of the office and and there was a lineup at the box office uh, at the Keystone for tickets for tomorrow. I, I'm not suggesting it's going to be a blowout sellout crowd for a preseason game, but I do think it's going to be one of the larger preseason crowds given the circumstance and the time off. Um, I, I, it's not really one of those crowds you want to be too big because you still got a lot of guys away at NHL camps and it's not really your roster just yet, but. Uh, I think the excitement in the building and um, you know, we've got uh, a bunch of things new in the arena, new boards, new glass, new signage, Uh, all the championship banners are now on display in, in a, in a much better visual area, a whole fresh coat of paint, uh, new signage. Yeah. The whole arena has basically been kind of renovated over the last 18 months and Uh, fans are really excited to see it. So uh, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow.
6: Outstanding. Brandon, I really look forward to seeing the Week Kings when you guys come to Edmonton, because I think that's going to be a a whale of a game, and uh, that's going to be a fun team to watch again. And, man, if you get some of those players back that you were referring to, look out. That's going to be a big season. And, Brandon, thanks for taking the time, man. You
3: betcha, and uh, great job on all the previews. Uh, I know the radio guys around the league love it, and uh, the fans love it even more. So keep up the good work.
6: He is the radio voice of the Brandon Week Kings, and his name is Brandon. That's Brandon Crow. Again, this is a team where I think a lot of people are looking at it like, okay, well, they're losing Braden Schneider, and they've they've lost uh, Ben McCartney and, and guys like that, and you wonder, okay, well, who's gonna do it for them? And then you remember, oh, they've got Ridley Gregg, and they've got this, and they've got that. And Marcus Kelly and Keeley is coming back, and the new wave of those young. 16, 17-year-olds are starting now in Brandon. And, you know, general fans, we don't know much about them yet because we didn't really get to see them in the hub. I I don't know. I think you can make a pretty good case that Brandon's the team to beat. I know it's probably between Brandon and Winnipeg, which, as Brandon says, is going to drive all the fans into Saskatchewan crazy. But they're probably the two best teams on paper, in my opinion. And then I kind of like Moose Jaw as my third team. There's an asterisk though for Saskatoon if they get Tristan Robbins back from San Jose, that's a huge gain. Obviously, if they get Brad Lambert to come over from Finland as Les Lazarek, if you missed that segment, go back and listen to that. If that happens, well then I think that elevates Saskatoon right to third. And that that would put Moose Jaw fourth, a- and then I've got Regina pretty close, but I don't know that I don't think they have enough yet to guarantee themselves to be a playoff team. I guess the asterisk there is. I think this roster is going to look a lot different on January 10th. So is it enough, though, to get them into the playoffs? For their sake, I hope they get it. And maybe this is where the you know the one through eight works in their favor. Maybe the East will be stronger than the Central. And you could have five teams from the East get in. Uh, I do see PA as the last place team in the division. And I also think that they'll trade guys like Ozzy Weisblatt and Caden Gooley but I appreciate reading all the responses into the inboxes. That was the question of the week to give me your one through six. And a lot of people did. That was fantastic. Now that the East Division preview is done, so is this week's episode. That means it's cleanup time. If you haven't got your bidet yet, hellotoshicom pipeline is where you go. Depending on where you are, if you're in the States or if you're in Canada, it's 100 bucks, maybe 120 if you're Canadian. And that's going to pay for itself just in the amount of toilet paper you save in the first number of months. Stop wiping, start washing your butt. It's better for you, it's better for your wallet. it's better for the environment. There's no reason not to do it. All the cool kids are doing it. Join the bidet revolution. hellotushy.com slash pipeline. And with the WHL previews now behind us, we're taking a week off from the WHL next week. We're going to look at the Q. We're going to look at the Ontario Hockey League. We're going to look at the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Potentially the BCHL. I'll extend an invitation again uh, to the commissioner there. South of the border, we got the USHL, we've got the NAHL, and we've got college hockey happening as well. The next couple of weeks are going to be absolutely packed full of previews for the other leagues. I know it's right in my backyard, so the WHL kind of takes precedent, but there is a lot to talk about, and we are going to do all of that next week. Shout-outs this week to uh, patrons Richard, Wayne, David, Robin, Mike, Todd. That's another Todd. Another Ryan, John, and Darwin uh, all signing up here in the last uh, few days, in the last couple of weeks, as a matter of fact, all joining uh, the community at uh, patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. I hope you're enjoying your early access. Wherever you're getting your copy of the Pipeline Show from, I'm hoping that you're leaving a a rating or a comment or both so that people searching for junior or college hockey podcasts uh, stumble across the Pipeline Show and what you have to tell them might encourage them to give the show a try and expand the audience even more that would be fantastic all right and that does it i got the oil kings and the calgary hitmen tonight i hope you're getting a chance to get out and watch some junior or college hockey as well so that you and i can talk about it next week here on the pipeline show fueled by wilhock beef jerky until then everybody my name is Keith flaming
0: see ya